Let's start the show. It's April 26, 2012. Welcome to This Is Only a Test, the official podcast of Tested.com. Right. Look at that fucking squirrel on my bird feeder. And then suddenly, the Enterprise D's bridge. I'm Will Smith. Joining me today, as always, Norman Chan. How you doing, Norm? Doing good. It just feels like we're on the bridge right now, doesn't it? Yeah. What's the typewriter noise in the back? I don't. I never. I never heard that one before. Gary Weta, how you doing, sir? I'm good. You're right. It does make you feel like you're on the bridge. I yeah. love those kind of ambient bridge sounds. I think I'm going to get that in the engine loop and just run them in the background. The, of the engine podcast. loop is only appropriate if you're in in engineering. engineering. Okay, it's very soothing though. It is kind of like being in in the womb. Yeah, like <laughs> kind I, of I, that I, thrumming sound. Wom, 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 wom. Brad Shoemaker, our first X over tested giant bomb since the since what the, happened? I dude, this it's been not, a weird month. This is not the podcast that I was promised. Hey, welcome to Pacifica. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah uh, this is the first official sunny, sunny event. Yeah, this is this is this is the new home of uh, this is only a test. My yeah. dining room in Pacifica. I think I'm just gonna stay. It's you're welcome. It's, it's real Anytime. homey. Come real on homey. down. There's like there's like corgi imagery everywhere. We have a we have, <laughs> yeah. one, we have one corgi uh, wooden cutout over there's like, there. There's like we a, call him Woody. There's like a corgi coffee cup hanger in the kitchen. Yeah, uh, there or something. Uh, no. Portraits. Look like he's a, playing poker. Is a fox? Is that a fox? He he holds my my kitchen twice. I, I see what I want to see. Yeah, you, you, there's a there's a picture of corgis on the wall okay. in the hallway. Mm-hmm. So stuffed there are, corgi on the rug. There's a stuffed corgi on the rug. That's just Chloe. Oh, <laughs> Chuck Testa. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we're here today. It's Thursday. It's podcast time. Uh, what what should we just jump right into it? And we Norman and I went on a trip last week. We talk about the trip. Oh, uh, I don't think we should talk about the Saturday morning thing, but I think we should talk about everything else. Uh, what? What happened really? Saturday morning? I think we should save the Saturday morning thing. Okay. I meant to discuss this before we started the show, and I forgot. Brilliant. We don't have to. I mean, Brilliant. We can talk Matt. about it. So we went to NAB, uh, the National Association of Broadcasters show in Las Vegas, where I lost $120 playing blackjack, so that pretty much sucked. Um, Not my fault. I followed your instructions exclusively throughout yeah, this turn. And you were oh, lost what, much what, quicker. I want to hear your uh, take me to blackjack school. What you, you wait? You play. I mean, I know how to play. You know I just want to hear your recommendation. Right? Yeah, Norm follows your the book. Hit on sixteen of dealer showing yeah, seven well, higher. I mean, all, you just play the book. That's, yeah, that, the that's only thing the you book. can change is how much you bet. That's how card counter counting works. Right, and the cut. And What's it's my belief, you know, when you put the card in the so in the deck. you cut oh, yeah, yeah. the dealer yeah. off offers with but a new shoe with a new shoe. Yeah, the dealer offers one of the players to cut. The yeah, deck. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, that only matters if, if you believe in a single deck, right? Uh, no, no, it matters with eight deck. Oh, right. They use eight or ten decks. Yeah, yeah. But that is the only th- way that you affect. You know, you don't know how you affect it. But right. I don't like people who have wiffly waffly cuts. Yeah, oh yeah, you, you just got to go for it. Go for a decisive cut. Yep. None of this quantum bullshit. Yep. And then you play. At the table, if it's you want a good, with a good shoe, if everyone plays perfectly, you want the table as a whole to be better uh, to have a uh, bit be better than the dealer. Most likely not. Dealer will probably win. If you that's if why you, it's yeah. called gambling in Las Vegas. That is, that, yes, exactly. Um, that's why all those casinos are built with cash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and no it, payments on the on yeah. the Bellagio. It was the last day there. And we just sat there for like two hours, and it was uh, me, Joe, and Will before waiting for our cab to the airport. And yep, 
Um, you know, I had fun for about 45 minutes and then it was a downward spiral from there. I remember why I don't gamble much. It's good that you have that airport deadline. You can't sit there all afternoon. That's true. I could have done bad things. Keep digging your hole deeper. If I, if I had started drinking and gone in further, um, it would have been real bad. But, uh, so NAB was kind of interesting. We'd never been before and it's a real serious business show. It's not like CES or E3 or something like that where like it's a bunch of kind of shenanigans and fooling around. Like this was all like they have those big square cameras like they use on the Today Show. Like the the four hundred and fifty thousand dollar cameras there set up, like aimed at at all these fake sets. Like there's everywhere everywhere we went, pretty much, right, Norm? Mm-hmm. Fake sets, as far as the eye can see. So you would see like the news camera people would have like a newsy kind of set, and the TV people would have like a Downton Abbey kind of set, and the sports guys would have like a sports store set up, and it was it was really crazy. Why would the sports guys have a sports store set up? I I guess they couldn't put a stadium in the convention center. A sports store? Yeah. Remember at uh, Fuji? They I had remember the sports, sports store. store. I don't think yeah. those were sports guys. Uh, it was, those were sportsy cameras. They were long lenses and stuff. Weird. Yeah. It was, it's real bizarre. And there's people in all these sets just sitting there all day long playing Uno and, and like blacksmithing or, or carpentering or something like it was, it was a bizarre, weird. You're awfully quiet over there, Gary Wenna. I'm just taking it all in. <laughs> I'm learning. Where did interest Gary? This much quiet from Gary leaves me a little bit unsettled. I was, I was getting a little disturbed too. What right? I found yes. is the less I say, the more information I can. I'd rather learn. Funny how that works. <laughs> than impart. Yeah. Um, One mouth and two ears, which means that listening is twice as important as speaking. You, have, you, have you been t- talking to self-help people or reading a book or something? <laughs> what happened uh, to you, man? Just, just recounting, just recalling my parents' homespun wisdom. Oh, okay. Very good. It's a, the two two ears and one mouth thing. That means you can lose an ear and still function. It's a, you, you're redundant. It's like knees. Yeah, there's a lot of redundancy. Yeah. Um, let's see. We also if saw, you lost your mouth, you'd have to learn sign language yeah. or type. How could you? You couldn't really lose your mouth though. I guess you could get shot in the throat. Neo, or you could lose you could your get shot. Shot. own shot. Roger Ebert lost his mouth. Yeah, and he's never been more productive in his life. Yeah. I well, mean, lessons learned. Yeah, if you can't talk, then you write See, this a lot. is why I don't contribute, because this is where we end up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, let's see. Stuff we saw at NAB, I'll run through it real quick. We saw the the Canon's new uh, astronomy camera, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw a SLR that shoots 11 frames a second, and Norm just abused it by holding the shutter down for, like, 45 seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw a bunch of fake sets. We took a video of that. It's really funny and dumb. Uh, what else? I feel like there was one other thing that I'm forgetting. We saw a bunch of 2K and 5K and 4K and 7K cameras that were really expensive, and then one that was kind of cheap. I heard there was a lot of. I read a couple of stories out of NAB um, that were very kind of 4K centric about how the industry is probably going to be starting to push, trying to push 4K on people as the next thing sooner rather than later. The content's already being produced, right? Like, uh, like uh, the Hobbit is being shot at. I mean, all that all that stuff is being shot uh, at. at- Films, yeah. Super high resolution. Well, they, they, have been, they have been for a while. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that content is always going to be available at that resolution at some point. It, the, the question is, you know, how are they going to be – how easily are they going to get 4, 4K TVs into people's homes and when's that really going to start? Well, so right now it seems like the 4K, 2K stuff is primarily aimed at cinema for the most part. You know, uh, the difference is that the 4K cameras have gotten kind of inexpensive. I mean, we saw – I think Sony has a 4K camera now that's like $7,000 or something like that, which seems – like a lot of money to a normal person, but if you're looking at production costs, that's not that it's, much. It's, for, it's very low. Yeah. yeah. Um, Red, of course, has stuff. The Black Magic has a 2.5K camera that's $3,000 now. So they're looking at like indie filmmakers and, um, and, uh, uh, 
you know, almost down to home level at this point. And then there's SLRs as well that are doing like 1080p at, at high frame rates and things like that. Um, it, it was, uh, it was interesting. I learned a lot more about filmmaking and jibs and booms and lights and stuff like that than I ever expected to. How does, uh, how does 35 millimeter transfer to 4K? Like, is there enough detail there that it's, yeah. Seamless? Yeah. In fact, so this is quite a bit more, more than 4K yeah. with 35 millimeter. It depends on the grain of the film, but yeah. Yeah. yeah so, so yeah, uh, like, but if you look at like, if you look at the start of digital cinema, like Phantom Menace was shot at I think 1080p, right? It's, I believe it's, that's right. It's very low resolution. Uh, the, they shot that on film, right? I think it was no, the, no, second shot digital. Digital. the second no, one. Well, pretty the second one. Pretty sure the second one is the one. That, the first one. So shot you're digital. right. The first one was on film. The yeah. digital bits were 1080p. Like okay. the composited animation okay. stuff okay. was all 1080p. Yeah. The second one was all digital. I think. Okay. Um. So yeah. So that was kind of cool. I'd never been there. I don't think we'll go again, probably. But um. But I mean, I thought it was an interesting. It was weird to go to CES and not see the Microsoft booth and the Intel. Like they had registration where the Intel booth is. At I was CES. very, I was very uh, envious of your Planet Dailies return. Yeah, oh we went French toast. Well, so we went to Planet Dailies and we had Secret Pizza. Two oh, of the two of the three must stop. <laughs> the two <laughs> best things there. Well, we didn't go to Lotus of Siam. So oh, okay, was, all right. Two of the three that. best two, things yeah, there. Two, two out of three can't be wrong. Uh, and then after that, we went to Portland to Coffeeville. Uh, to the SCAA show, which is the the Specialty Coffee Association of America show. And Norm, how much coffee did you drink on the four days we were Not in Portland? Not enough to kill me, uh, but quite a lot. And it wasn't the quantity of coffee, but the quality of the coffee mm. we drank. Uh, oh, I, I didn't realize when – before we went on that trip, because Will and Joey went last year, and you, we did a montage video of you know how many cups of coffee did Joey drink. And he was saying when you walk through SCAA, it's just like a normal convention floor, you know, bigger than a ballroom, kind of big open room. Um, people just hand you coffee, and it's kind of hard to believe. You know, you're walking around and normally – and you see these booths, and people just hand you coffee. Like they don't yeah. have booth babes. They just have a dude that stands out there and hands coffee to they everybody who booth, walks by. Booth baristas? Yeah. Kind of, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And they, they hire baristas from all over the country and they have their little sign like where they work and what type of coffee they use and they demo, you know, the grinders and the brewers. And so now when you're, when you're walking around like this, and there's coffee basically being handed to you wherever you go. You can't you, control yourself. Do you have to pace yourself? Yeah, you, absolutely. You, well, that's the smart thing to do. Yeah, I was going to ask what what is the the quantity per sample that you're getting? Because if you would if you would if you would drink or? every cup of coffee that was offered to you, you'd probably be out 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 of play by like lunchtime, right? You'd be yes. gibbering on the floor. <laughs> well, that, yeah, that, and not that, only are there the samples on the convention floor, there's also little kiosks where you can just order yeah. any coffee. It's just like having a Starbucks, four different Starbucks in one. Uh, convention hall, but it's all free. Also, it's and not Starbucks. It's much better. I was, yeah. was going to ask if like Starbucks and Pete's show up to this thing, or would they just get laughed out of the building? Um, Starbucks and Pete's have buyers and stuff there, but they don't generally bring. Like, if this is a place where the baristas there are not the baristas that work the thing that has the button that automatically makes whatever coffee you press the button. I for. wouldn't call them barista, but this is for well, there's still yeah, you know, still mash pucks and all that stuff. But I mean, it's not. This is for people who use pre- manual pre- precise machines. Will's people. These, these people, yeah, my val- people. These people value their craft. Yes, what you're saying. But it's not. But, but it's not like E3 where like you've got the massive Starbucks and and no, pizza, no, no, no. in the middle, no, no. and then like the small, the other no giant, like no, so, scheduled Starbucks, you Starbucks show village, every yeah. half hour with like right. three drinks, three jumbo screens. And <laughs> you walk into the Starbucks theater, and there's a giant subwoofer under the floor. Yeah. Just no, it's not like two that. hour line for people to get into the secret room where they're demoing the latest um, coffee. So the big booths here are probably like forty feet, twenty feet by twenty feet. Like they're not. There's not a huge. That's not very big. Yeah, it's like it's like it's like the small part of Comic Con. Not not like 
not like where the movie studios and Marvel and DC and all those guys are, but like off to the left of that, you know, back back when you get into like the dudes that sell T-shirts and stuff like and that. And there are only about 10,000 people, including attendees and industry people yeah. who attend, but it looks like a big convention for just 10,000 people. I'd be very concerned about the overload thing because I don't, mm. know, I don't know what it's like for other people, but in my own experience, when you occasionally reach that point, where you're very aware of the fact that you've had too much coffee. Yeah, when you can feel the hairs on your arm. And you kind of have like that bad coffee trip. It's yeah. not at all pleasant. It's it a really not, horrible feeling. It is the worst. I and don't like it. Will said he prepared for the show by amping up his coffee I've intake. I've been cross-training. Uh, <laughs> yeah, cross-training coffee before Portland. And so he was all right. Uh, being my first year, the first night, I was totally fucked up. And also, protein is the key. That was the, yeah. that was the, that's I, I the magic that trick either. that I've. If yeah. you ever, I, I learned this many years ago. I accidentally drank a whole pot of coffee. <laughs> accidentally fell in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like many many years ago, before I understood the potency of coffee, I ended up one day I just drank a whole pot of it. I had a coffee, one of those Mister Coffee, you know, where it just sits yeah. in a pot, and I ended up drinking the whole pot. And next thing you know, I'm fucking freaking out. I'm paranoid. I feel like I keep thinking there's someone at the front door. Like I was having a really <laughs> a bad really, trip. Yeah, it's a really unpleasant like trip. For helicopters I, overhead. Yeah, exactly. And I actually ended up speaking to a friend of mine who was a very experienced coffee drinker. And he said, yeah, I know what you're going through. Like he kind of talked me down. Eat an egg. And, and said, if you have any like roast beef or like a can of tuna fish or something, really? go eat that. Yeah. And it all, I don't know what the chemical thing is that happens, but it, it does help. It brings, the only thing that will bring you down. Wow. Um, and oh. it settles the stomach too. So yeah, uh, that happened to me. So last year, the first day we had a bunch of interviews lined up and by the time I got to the fifth or sixth interview of the day, I had been drinking everything out of every sample I got. Yeah. And you can see the interview on the site. We actually ran it, but like it took probably 15 tries. Joey was laughing his ass off by the end <laughs> before I could slow down enough to have a conversation with another human being. I think it's the Ranchilio uh, temperature profiling espresso machine. Video. It's something that you don't notice until after the fact. I've been looking at the videos from this year's SCAA. And since we shot those videos right after yeah. we were at NAB, the cadence of speech from NAB is accelerated. Everybody's really excited. Just Will's Will talks really, really fast in all those interviews. Yeah. And the guys just stand there going, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um in addition to that, they have competitions and stuff like that. They have the um the Brewers Cup, which is my favorite, which is basically like it's basically a pour over contest, right? Yeah. So it's people from different uh different uh, uh cafes, baristas who come and it's whoever can brew the best cups of coffee and the judging for that's kind of neat because they have each each judge is served from a different pot so they have to make three separate servings of coffee within like seven minutes or some eight minutes whatever the timer is um and they all use different like crazy techniques like there's people that use aeropresses there's people that use uh, chemexes there's people that use hario v60s there's people that do siphons uh and you get to see a lot of different like it, it's it's basically like going to 50 different cafes and seeing their best barista making pour over coffee or, or brewed coffee. So when most says there's competitions, it's not like you're on the convention floor and then suddenly at one booth there's a stage with, you know, a table and some dude making coffee. It's a separate room that is a stadium seating. So they have seats set up and they're not always filled, but there are multiple stages and it's, it's like a dog show where you yeah, walk around is. and you know there's one stage with lots of signage and you know two tables three judges sitting on one side and a dude who's making or or girl making coffee and they have like headsets so they're on the loudspeaker describing their technique as they're making the coffee with a big LED timer behind them well, describing the coffee and their technique and both. their technique yeah. and then they have to make you know three cups of coffee all in eight minutes and they they bring all their equipment so they have the grinder they have the scales right. they have the, the you know the the crafts Home everything and it is a it is a show. It's just like you know a presentation. 
Now, um, on, on the other side is the Bristol Championship stuff, which I think is a little – I don't want to say douchey, but it's a little douchey. Just say it. So it, it is the, – the, they're, they're wearing the flannel or the plaid. Right, you got those like the well, thick, thick glasses. Hold on, we should describe what the and and, is. and the tattoos on these baristas, and they do. It's like a Iron Chef style show or presentation, uh, kind of. Yeah, but but it, the reason I don't like it is because they choose music and like there's a whole the whole experience. Like, the it's the experience. music that makes it bad. Actually, so, let's be let's be absolutely because well, what's wrong with the music? It's, one, uh, it's an excuse to show how cool you are. So the barista so like, isn't just making, isn't that like coffee shops? That's all. Yeah, that's, that's all part of the coffee yeah, lifestyle. Know, but, right. But the point of so, the my feeling is that the point of the competition should be the coffee, which is not, why Will likes no, the barista. It's a lifestyle, like dude. No, the it's the barista, the barista championship. Anyway. You have the whole setup, and it really is like a chopped or an iron chef, where you know they have the twenty minutes to, to make their it's, well, specialty. It's three things: espresso, cappuccino, and then a specialty beverage. Yeah, so it's like the three courses that you get. And the specialty beverage is like what you get at the slow bar or something like that at four four barrel or um or blue bottle. So it's it's like it's a custom beverage. Sometimes it has like sometimes it has like a soda element. Sometimes it has like extracts and elixirs and stuff like that. That part I think is cool. I think the everything relating to the coffee is great. I think the the talking and the music make it weird. Well, what so kind of music are they story. playing? Like, they tell a story. Like alt rock indie. Yeah, and then and then they like music. Click the button, and then as they begin their presentation, like they have like musical cues with their you know bon Iver, and then yeah, and then oh, they, they, so it's kind of like figure skating. It it's is. like figure skating, <laughs> yeah. but coffee. Like there's yes. a music. It's all in time with the music. <laughs> it is very like it's timed to the music. But the crescendo of the music is when the the pot's is it kind of like Tom and, Cruise behind the the bar in cocktail, like spinning bottles around while there's like rock music playing. Uh, and stuff? No, it's not rock music. Uh, it's all mopey indie music. Uh, this part, I like. One day somebody's going to come in there and bust out some like Motley Crue. Or like what kind of artists? Old. Give me a couple of artists Roddy that would Bear be and and uh, Royal Alberta Advantage and and of Montreal and yep. you know. No, I haven't heard of any of them. Right? So yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, it's all people that the Skrillex crowd would have been pissed off at after the Grammys <laughs> last year. Skrillex. Uh, so so yeah, that was SCAA. We saw. Um, we saw that. Let's see. What else do we do in Portland? We went to Ground Control and met up with a bunch of, of tested audience members, uh, people, tested peeps. Yeah. How was your meetup? I saw you too. It was fun, that. man. We went we, – so uh, we, basically the Ground Control dudes were awesome. Art at Ground Control saved us a table on Saturday who are, night. Who, what is that? An arcade oh, kind of place? Yeah. So Ground Control is, um, is a pretty good uh, – I would say one of the better remaining arcades that I've been to. They have probably, what, like 70 or 80 machines in there and a bunch of pinball tables? There's a lot of classic arcades. It's not just like one of those pizza places or bars that buys the latest arcade or, you know, even that secret pizza place where they have Galaga, it is like, it's a new version it's a of mid, Galaga. It's a, it's right? a midway it's, machine. Right, yeah. so these are or like midway, the yeah, classic machines and it's a bar too, and they have pinball upstairs. I mean, they, they pay a lot they of attention food. to detail. So the tables they have are like these glowy, like... They look like light tables. Yeah, it's like, is it like, like David Busters? Tron. Uh, no, 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 much God, better no, than no, David no. Buster. It's like me what? In the Tron oh, arcade. No. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, <laughs> sentence makes no sense. <laughs> Gary, David Buster's is crap. Yeah. What? Yeah. So, so this place, uh, they had like te- they had old like I think the newest machine they had probably was that Pac Man four player versus yeah. machine. Um, and then before that, it was like an MK three machine maybe. So they have okay. the original Tron. They have discs of Tron. You know, they have a, a row right. just of like the Donkey Kong original Mario Brothers arcade. Yeah. Um, so you it's have, like a hipster arcade. It is a total hipster arcade. You have the I never, I've actually never played it. The like uh, the cool widescreen fighting games, the brawlers. Oh so, yeah, like the X Men. Oh, the, the, fourth, uh, the, the oh, I like those. You've but, never seen those? But there are two screens using hard. mirrors. And so it's widescreen. It's two yeah. CRTs. Yeah, like you don't see classic, the seam in the middle. Right? Yeah, I've, I've yeah. never played one of those. And they, you could put six people on them. Yeah, six yeah. people. 
That was that was like three dollars a round. So who, how many tested fans showed up? We had like fifteen or twenty people show up. It was ah, really a good good yeah. turnout, and okay. uh, we played a lot of that four player versus Pac Man game, which is kind of like Championship Edition, but not at all. Like like it excel, it speeds up a little bit, and you start with a very tight, constrained initial map. Um, but the goal is to be the last pack standing. Uh, and you know, there's ghosts and pellets and the whole nine yards and the, the layout of the pellet changes like it does in championship edition. Um, but you don't have quite the same acceleration and time dilation stuff that you had in championship edition. What's, what's the name edition of that? Too. I don't, I'm not familiar. Uh, I think it's just pac I, I, I'm not sure. I think it's Pac-Man. I'm sure it's, you know, we've, we used to have a website for this, yeah. but I don't know where you'd go for that kind of information I now. I'll, I'll look into that. Um, I think it's Pac-Man versus, okay, is, is my, Yes, but it's it's a weird – so it's set into a tabletop and you're kind of looking down. Everybody's looking down at the same board. Uh, it was really good. We had a lot of fun with that and uh, played some pinball. They had a, a House of Magic. House of Magic? No, the the one with the with the box that spins and eats the balls. Pinball machine. Um, you know, the famous uh, pinball machine. Uh, it's the one that, I, that I, I started saying House of – I. And I completely, it's House of Fashion. I want to say that's in that the, pinball arcade. It is in the pinball arcade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember the name of it, but yeah. Um, good good pinball selection. Yeah. Uh, and then and then we went to a bar the next day where there was a pinball machine. I was blown away by that. I hadn't seen one of those in years. It was working. So, oh uh, no, that was at Voodoo Donuts when you and Joey were in the car. So we went to Voodoo Donuts. We had like crazy donuts with with cereal and Oreos and bacon and stuff on top. Very Serious highly business. recommended. Uh, donuts. Uh, we went to a. I went to a couple coffee shops downtown. Um, yeah. So at the coffee convention, even outside the coffee convention, there are coffee shops. I mean, oh, Portland's yeah. a big coffee city. Yeah. So we we like we had the whole Portland experience. Norm took us over to the to the Hawthorne. What's that? What's the Hawthorne name? area? Hawthorne yeah. area. We had waffles. It was like sweet, and best savory, one of the best really uh, porchetta sandwiches I've had yeah. ever. Yeah. We had we had truck food. Uh, we were accosted by bums. Like the whole, we had the whole thing. Yeah, it was the whole, the whole experience. Yeah. We rode the train. You know, yeah. we're like locals. Uh, is this uh, is this fine brew that you've provided us? Uh, is this in any way a product of that coffee convention? No, this is a ritual. Okay. This is the last of this Will's last child soldier on. <laughs> Did you pick up any tips there, though? Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, that's the one of the. So we talked to uh, like one of the people we talked to is the girl who uh, uh, won the World Aeropress Championship. So we talked to her about like tips for making making. Aeropress coffee. I mean, we talked to a bunch of people about different techniques and equipment and all that kind of stuff. There's videos on the site you can. So, well, did you get jacked up or did your preparation um, uh, insulate you from that? I was faster. I talked, as Norm said, I talked faster than I normally do. Doesn't it seem like that's the thing is though? Isn't everyone at the same level at this coffee convention? Isn't it just like pretty much ten thousand people that no, are really, like, really jacked do, up? Do the drug dealers use their stuff? Oh yeah, I you mean, never get high on your own supply. Yeah, yeah it's a good policy. <laughs> um, what was the best coffee you had that weekend, Norm? Um, there's a really good, I, I love them at, at the, uh, Brista bars. Um, there's one macchiato I got that was really good. I forget what it was though. Mm, I, I, was, like I think that, it was Brazilian coffee. That, uh, that I don't know if you had any, but at the Barazza booth that day, we had the Royal, uh, Royal Brewing Company, which is out of some little town in Portland. Uh, the, the Brista there made a coffee that tasted like blueberries and was pretty awesome. That sounds good. Yeah. But it wasn't just coffee. They had some tea stuff there. Uh, one of the bigger boots was Zojirushi. So, yeah. you know, we, we saw the new Zojirushis. And- oh, well, like, that sounds new interesting. Thermoses? Sounds like you the buried the lead. Thermoses. The 2012 line. Yeah. yeah. We, we saw that. And we, they also have rice cookers. So we okay. saw them too. I'm more of a tiger man on the rice cooker side. Has, really? it, it, has, the, has the classic Zojirushi flask evolved or something? Is there a new uh, model? The lid is changing. So okay. I have the old style lid. I think the new style lid for the thermal mug is out now. You can buy If you go to Amazon and buy that, it's today. It's no change in design. The plastic is 
uh, shiny instead of kind of matte. Okay. No difference there. We saw some twist off lid stuff. Yeah, they have different textures on the on the, on the side carafes. of the walls. And, yeah. Yeah. It was it was a good, you know, good visit. We, it was nice to see those guys. Um Let's see what else did we see. I think that's pretty much it. Well, we had we had one other secret stop in Portland that we're probably. I mean, we can talk about it if you want, or we could save it. It's up I to you. Stop I about it because I think you're, you're, we'll you're not going you're not to remember all the cool details from it. I stood on top of a nuclear reactor last only will only will still stood. On t- we all stood yeah, on top we all stood. Did Joey get on top too? We all stood. We all. Where do you take the photos from? Where do you take the videos from? I've seen the Okay, so what what is this? So Reed College, which is where Steve Jobs went to school when he was in school. We, we went to Reed College to pay tribute to Steve Jobs. No, we didn't. Where he went to school. <laughs> <laughs> where he didn't graduate or get a diploma. Did you sprinkle some holy water? Yeah. Talk to his professor. He's got some Left of that my class magic. IPod. Yes. Right. Um, no. So we so they have a they have a research reactor, a nuclear reactor that they use for like dating. A, a um, teaching reactor? Basically, yeah. yeah. Uh, they use it to date, to do everything like date things, to figure out uh, compositions of chemical compounds and stuff like that. It's like it's a, I don't want to say it's common, but there's probably what thirty or forty of them in the United States. There are thirty of them that yeah. are research reactors. This right. part of uh, in 1968, after like you know obviously uh, World War II and you know nuclear being a thing, and there's a lot of fear during the nuclear age, the, the, the Cold War nuclear age. The U.S. government uh, wanted to get research reactors out in public to educate people about the safety of nuclear power, right? Um, Which because, they have apparently not done a very good job. Of. Well, because the we, public does not seem convinced. No, 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 no. I mean, there are nuclear power plants in the United States that actually are used for power. Yeah. These are not used for power. Um, so this company, I think General Atomics makes a class That's of... That's an awesome name for a company, by yeah, the way. Yeah, they, a good name. They, uh, they make these very Triga systems. reactors, uh, which is an acronym for something, but they're very... Training very, research something yeah. General Atomics. But, you know, there is uranium in there, and they generate anywhere from 100 kilowatts to, like, Two megawatts. Yeah, I mean, presumably even these, kilowatts. even these kind of uh, just college reactors have to have pretty heavy security yeah. around them. I would well, imagine. so we can't talk about that. <laughs> well, I mean, the, they didn't. They there, wouldn't there talk about some, security yeah, stuff there, at there all. There are some. There, well, no, but I, I think it's safe to assume that there is some. There were cameras is, and pads. There are definitely, and all that there is definitely security. Um, but you know, if you go on the website, you know, they do offer tours, and you know, it is something that's been running for 40 years what's interesting about the one at reed college is that it's all run by students undergrads so the school is about 1500 people which is tiny for it's a, a college. small liberal it's arts a college. very you know your typical liberal arts college massive campus but only 1500 students it's like smaller than high schools um and they have 40 people like 15 they induct 15 people students a year into their program to learn and get trained and certified to run their nuclear reactor. So they get a license from the Nuclear Regulatory Commission right. that says, hey, I'm this person is allowed to run this reactor. Like they know everything that they need to do to be the reactor runner. And there's two levels of certification. One is like a, a normal, normal runner person, and the other is like senior. So like one level is in charge, and one one level is just the dudes who run the day-to-day stuff. Um, but it's you know, when you think, you know, nuclear reactor, you watch movies and stuff. You, I think of the Simpsons. Or you think of the Simpsons. You think of yeah. someone in a control room, right? And then it's you guys in hazmat suits and you're like, you know, glowy rods and everything. And then, you, you know, we're not going to be able to get close to that at all. But it's not like it's, it's actually just a, you know, a room that's probably like three times the size of this room. It's like half a basketball court. Yeah. Pr- pr- very tall ceilings, but a giant, you know, 25 foot deep pool with water in it. Yeah. And the reactor is just there. And like you could you could look down through the water and you see this donut 
with um with a circle with a bunch of like rods like dots basically sticking out of the top and that's the reactor at the and bottom of this pool they turn on turn off the lights and then it glows blue because wow. it is generating 250,000 watts of power yeah cooled by you know 25,000 gallons of water um and then all that radiation's shielded by the water and you know we we stood there and and looked at it is there a time limit that uh, you can safely stand near that thing before you have to leave is it is it actually um, are you are we you were there so they gave us your well, so we should talk about extent? we should talk about the whole thing like when you when we went in we got the briefing like the the here's what here's what's okay to touch here's what's not okay to touch that kind of stuff um they gave us these little radiation sensors they were um, like uh they looked like, like a beeper pagers yeah yeah uh, and then we walked in. Then they were like, "Do you want to go into the room with the with the reactor?" And we're like, "Um, I don't, you know, okay, is that safe?" So we talked about how the, like the theory of the reactor and all that and nuclear fission, how that works. Um, and the idea basically is the reason it's in a big pool of water is not only does that keep it cool uh, when it when it warms up and keeps it from overheating, but it also uh, it facilitates the re- the nuclear reaction without the water in the tank, like without. Water in a specific temperature range, the reaction doesn't stops working. It becomes much less efficient, and and the reactor will kind of cool down naturally. Um, and then the other thing it does is it blocks the neutrons because the bad radiation that comes out of a nuclear reactor is in the form of neutrons. Uh, when you're talking about this kind of a reactor, so what the what the water does is is captures and blocks the neutrons. And and you know when you talk about like heavy water and things like that that they used in the in the in the Manhattan Project and other nuclear stuff. That is that is uh, water that has hydrogen atoms. It's deuterium water, right? So it has hydrogen atoms with an extra neutron attached, and that's they're basically making a tiny amount of heavy water in that in that tank. All but the time. in that giant room, I mean, you have all this equipment that says radioactive, radioactive. Yeah, there's yeah. like there's like things with contaminated red lights, and, and you're looking at your page or checking it t- from time to time, making sure you're still at zero point zero. Zero point zero is where you want to be. Yeah. Did it ever go above? Did you ever feel unnerved? Zero point one is, I think, okay. Yeah. Well, and so it's millirems. Yeah. So, like up to five rem, it's, five, it's, five millirems. It's very much like fallout. Guy, your counters everywhere. Everything, a lot, a lot of ticking. What they said take, was take some radex before you go in there. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Be good. Um, what they said was the amount of radiation we got in that room was roughly. We would have gotten more. By being at thirty five thousand feet on the flights to Vegas and Portland, than we when then we got in that room. Yeah, it was very um, very safe. Just absorbing like so is that solar? Radiation? Yeah, I mean presumably yeah, the people are actually yeah. running the reactor in there much longer than yeah. any visitors. Yeah. So. yeah, yeah. Well, there's different requirements for radiation exposure for visitors and people who are like working there long term. Right. But the people who work there long term were wearing two different kinds of radiation detectors. Uh, they had these rings on that used one mechanism to detect radiation, and then they also had like the traditional kind of badge thing that you've seen. Oh. And those, the what, part of being licensed by the NRC is that they track your radiation exposure over the entire over your entire career, right? So you don't ever go beyond beyond because everything is logged. Like when we walked in, we all had to sign our names, and then they had to check our radiation count before and after, and everything's in. On, on a notebook. Right. Like they, um, they ran Geiger counters over all of Joey's equipment to make sure that yeah. like nothing radioactive had splashed onto him from like, like the water <laughs> wasn't that particularly radioactive, but like they didn't want to make sure that we'd picked up a piece of dust or something that would slowly give Joey hand cancer over the next serious years. business. Wow. Yeah. It was really cool. I have to say when they turned the lights off and fired the reactor up and the blue Cherkinov radiation started coming from the reactor, it's fucking unbelievable. Like, so that's something I never, ever thought I would get to see. Um, and it was, it was really, really cool. 
Um, they, so Norman said this before. This isn't a re- reactor they use to generate power. It, it's purely like it's tuned to inject certain things with neutrons, certain parts of the reactor with neutrons. Uh, so what that means is that they can put a sample of something that they want to know. Say, say somebody in the art department has a pottery shard that they want to know how old it is. They uh, take the take the uh, uh, or where it came from, for example. They take the party shard, put it into the into a space in the reactor, and then put it in another thing called a gamma scat spectroscope that tells them the exact composition of that shard. And with that information, and with other shards that they know, like they know where in Mesopotamia, you know, pottery with this particular breakdown of it's essentially a fingerprint. They can tell that in it's very CSI. Yeah, at, at this particular place. They the because they can get an exact chemical composition of the shard and the dyes used on the on the paint or whatever they're doing. They can tell oh this was probably made at this period here at this specific place because this is where everything that's that has cadmium in the uh, fake example cadmium in the dye in this percentage came from. The best uh, part was and that it's non destructive. You know the equipment's cool, technology's cool, but it was also all run by like undergrads. 18, 22 yeah. year old. It's, it's like, it's and like, a club. I mean, that would make me a bit nervous. And like, so I'm these sure are they the have most... all these systems in place, but still, that seems a bit wacky. And there's, you know, there's one advisor who is on staff to teach these students. Yeah. But, you know, walking in, they're, they're, <laughs> the oldest person in the room outside of us was like, you know, an advisor, was maybe 22, and there were yeah. a dozen of them running around, you know, running a nuclear reactor. It was, it was like a college club. Yeah. But, you know, with with certification, stuff like that, I think they said they have 70 years between 40 and 80 people sign up every every year uh, for 15 for, you know, to try out basically for the 15 positions. Um, it's very much and, real genius. Yeah, it was a, it was kind of a real geniusy situation where like like everybody was into their own thing. It was very cool. It was a, it was a really neat. It was a very liberal arts college experience. But I thought it was uh, I thought it's a I think it's a neat project. Uh, so we got to see that and and uh, there'll be video of that coming up. I don't know if it'll be up next week. I hope next so. Week. But. Uh, yeah, stay tuned on the site and we'll tweet about it and stuff like that. I thought it was a pretty cool spot. And if you know of a spot like that that you think we should go see, uh, that's, you know, cool and sciencey, send us a note and we'll, we'll go check it out. It's, uh, podcastattested.com. Should we talk about news? Why not? Sure. I, I, Brad, before we get into the news, <laughs> yeah. Being in your house here is very yeah. liberating. I feel very free here. You can take your pants free, off if you free want. Free enough go to tell it, you that I have, I really have to pee. So. Okay. Well, Brad will <laughs> be back in just a moment. Coffee. <laughs> We'll yeah, the about- coffee. Well, that's the other side effect. Coffee just goes right through yeah, you. So don't talk about no. asteroids. Brad of the three minute bladder. Oh dear. Okay, so all right. So what's up? What's, uh, well, what's I think the big news. Big tech news this week probably is Google Drive. I think. Don't you think, Norm? That's the story I've seen the most of this week. Yeah, I mean, wasn't a big surprise, but sure. No. So well, okay. There some 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 stuff happened in the storage, like the cloud storage space this week. Uh, Dropbox had some new stuff added. You want to go over that real quick? Do you know what it is? No. Okay. You wrote the story. They add public sharing for every file. Oh, right. You can generate a public link for anything mm-hmm. in your Dropbox. Okay. That's good. Uh, SkyDrive did some new stuff. Yep. There's a desktop app for SkyDrive. So it works like Dropbox does now? Yep. Do you, like, you get a folder on your machine mm-hmm. that syncs? Oh, that's yep. nice. Um, and then Google Drive launched. So Google Drive, uh, it's, it seems like it's kind of absorbing like Google Docs and some other stuff. And there's a fair amount of controversy around it. But, but what does it actually do? How does it actually work? Just like Dropbox, local folder, desktop app, system tray. Then you get five gigs free, and it looks like it's like $3 a month for 50 gigs and $5 a month for 100 gigs. Yep. 
seems pretty straightforward. It's just Google Docs, but now on your desktop. And you know, those files don't actually save your desktop um, because they don't. Google doesn't have a proprietary file format. They're just, I mean, a file, a desktop file format. So is it just it's a shortcut? Web, just shortcut. Oh, that's weird. Files. Oh, I don't like that. I, I like having files on my desktop. But and if you upload to Google Drive, then those are real files. But if you create a Google Doc or a Google spreadsheet, those are just links. That's weird. It seems, yeah. seems like that should be... They want you to be on the website. No, I understand that. But it seems like there's a better way to do that. Um, the controversy around Google Drive is, of course, with the, with the ownership of content. Uh, their terms of service basically say that anything that you make public... They can use for whatever purpose they want. They don't own it. They don't own it. But they they can use it for ads and they can use it. They can Promotional use, materials. Yeah. It, it, a lot of times this stuff kind of seems like it happens when, when lawyers get crazy when they're writing terms of services. But we haven't heard any official comment from Google about whether this is as intended or I think they're waiting to see if it's going to. No, I think Google PR has responded. And if all the, all the excerpts from the terms of service omit the top line, which is that they don't own anything. So. Oh. They don't. They don't own any. Some of the language seemed well, very over aggressive. Though, like we we reserve the right to perform, publish this content. So, like for a creative professional like me, yeah. Or let's say, for example, I'm writing a novel or a screenplay, and I'm keeping it in that folder. Understandably, if the language isn't very clear, you might be concerned that they feel that they have some rights over that content. Well, but it's my understanding that that only applies if you make it public, right? I don't, flip, I don't know. If you flip the public link, I, th- I think that's what the R story said, and they usually get get details right on this kind of stuff. Okay. Um, so, I, I mean, I don't know. A lot of times that stuff gets overblown. I, I, like, the question I have is do we, like, I'm really happy with Dropbox. I pay them 10 bucks yeah. a month and have like 80 gigs of storage or something ridiculous now. Dropbox is great. Um, do, I mean, do you guys feel like there's I a use four place? services. Yeah, really? absolutely. I don't do think you, it's mutual. I don't, what's uh, the fourth? I use Box.net, I use Dropbox, I use SkyDrive, and I use Google Drive now. So what are, you using the different ser- what are you using the different places Dropbox for? Dropbox for work, because that's what everyone here at Works uses. Okay. I use Box.net for uh, comics and music for my iPad, because I just download the app, and I can stick stuff, and it's a local file. Google Docs for do- And can for you get into like, your comic reader and stuff like that? Yeah. Okay. He's, he's pushes from, uh, from the iPad app. Well, that's nice. And then SkyDrive for whatever Microsoft stuff I need. Well, because I mean, with Windows 8, we'll all yeah. have SkyDrive built. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's. I don't think it's one of those things like unlike music, where you're, you know, you want to have all your music on, you know, Google Music or on Amazon cloud storage, right? Where because you want one app to play your music, because that's yeah. what you want to pick from that selection. I don't think of files that way. I don't think I, I need all my work files plus all my personal files in one folder at a time. I can pick and choose which app I use for those folders, and it's free. I don't want to pay. I don't have to pay the ten bucks a month. I get you know twenty five gigs from Microsoft, eighteen gigs from Dropbox, and five gigs from Google Drive. It seems like the an- analogy is more AIM than than uh, uh, Docs, you know, than, than music. Yeah, because like if you're looking at instant messaging, you 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 I have instant message accounts on all the services because like I know one dude who's only only has an MSN account, and when I, I want to talk to him, then I have to fire up MSN. So. I mean, I guess that's the, maybe that's it's, the, it's just different way to get more space yeah. and different way to yeah, store. Yeah, I mean, it's another five gigs of storage for free. Yeah. And if you're like me and you like the idea of multiple redundancies, there's there's that mm-hmm. too. But I don't, just, I can't think of a reason why I would switch from one to the other. Because right, no, no, you're not, not going to stop using one. Just to, I mean, 
And I, I like this competition because each of the services offers different amount, different amounts of free storage. Yeah. You don't want to pay. They each have different limitations. So how much you can upload from the web versus how much you can upload from a desktop app. Um, they have different benefits like with SkyDrive and Google Docs. I can edit those files. Don't forget, on, you also have iCloud. There's another And there's case. iCloud for photos. That's what I'm, I'm and yeah. backups for, for my iOS stuff. So there's no reason as long as you have RAM to just run stuff in your system tray and the stuff doesn't run, you know, all the time on your mobile device. You just have the apps installed. Did they fix the 50 megabyte max file size problem on SkyDrive yet? SkyDrive, you have two gigs of max file size. Okay. 300 megs if you upload from the web. Because for a long time, it was two gig. Uh, 50 megabyte was the max file size. 50 gigs still is box.net. It's interesting that you mentioned the instant messaging analogy because there you have stuff like ADM and Pigeon that kind of seamlessly aggregates all of the services into one. That's true. One so that's what we're going to see next. So and it's that's, really that's, easy that's to do on, on the desktop you side. You think there will be like a meta Dropbox oh, that yeah. just unifies? That's why why, idea, why yeah. not a desktop app? I mean, because it's all just folders on your desktop. It doesn't even need to tap, tap in those APIs. They'll just look for certain types of files, the way you organize them. and just. Well, you can do that in. with my folders right now. Like, yeah. Literally, there's an app on Windows that you can say, look at this folder and put all the music files here and all the photos here and all the blah, blah, blah. Yeah, without being redundant on the desktop side, but yeah. redundant on the cloud side. Well, and the other thing is that – but there's no reason somebody couldn't make a universal client for at least for Google uh, – at least for Dropbox and, uh, and SkyDrive because they both have open APIs. So somebody could make a, you know, I, I don't think that there's a Google Drive API yet. They're, Google's bad about it. They APIs, will have lots of apps. Like. Yeah. Uh, so it's out for Windows, Mac, iOS, uh, Android, not for iOS yet, but that's, they said it's coming soon. So Sorry if you covered this. How are they letting people into that thing? Because I don't think I'm Randomly. Eligible. It yeah, seems it's just normal. Ran- ran- when they announce it, you know, you log on. You, check you go to your Google one day and it's there. Okay. You check, you know, I, you go to like, I got it this Google, morning when I logged on. Okay. And it was there or it's not. And it replaces in your, your little Google bar at the top there where it used to say documents. It'll, say, it'll now say Drive. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So your Google Docs Drive. has basically evolved into Google Drive. Mm-hmm. I miss Google. Watch Docs. out, Brad! You got a camera on you. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. Good save, Norman Chan. Um, I won't type my password. Let's talk yeah, about watch that. Let's talk about uh, uh, crazy space future asteroid mining nonsense. I think this, this is the biggest news. This, it, I this agree, week. and this is the only reason that I will not. Oh, thanks. Not the Brad. only reason that I'm here. It's, wow. But, but I mean, I I didn't get the invite from you to be on this podcast until about two hours ago. Uh, well, I invited I, you last night. Thank uh, you very much. Oh, I didn't see it until I got up this morning. Oh, well. and, and I was like, ah, I got all this work to do. But then I remembered what happened this week, and I was like, I can't not be there for that. I liked I liked the the three-minute turn because literally you, you went from, no, I can't do it. I got too much work to do, to three minutes later, wait, what time are you guys going to be done? Doors opened. Bradcast. Um, okay, asteroid mining. So the, the story is Jim Cameron, Sergey Brin, uh, Eric Schmidt. Jim Cameron has no money in it. Oh, he has no money. Are you no. sure? God, no, no, no. He's just the news his this name. very morning said he was an investor. He's an advisor. An advisor. He's, he's on the committee. Advisor no committee. money. Uh, not, not on their website at least. So, uh, what happened last week was that you know, crazy rumor went out that there's a new company form being uh, formed called Planetary Resources, and you know the crazy headline was billionaires want to go to space, right? And you know you're thinking, oh, space tourism is back, right? But no, it's space mining. And it's founded by these two guys. One guy... Uh, Hold on. Is, so you mean asteroid mining. This is a classic science fiction trope, right? Yeah. This is untapped resources buried in the asteroid belt between Earth and Mars. Nope. Between they, Mars and Jupiter. Sorry. Yes. No, no, it, oh, but they want to do near-Earth asteroids, Only near-Earth. Right? Okay. It's anyway. Not, not going out very far. So, Well, they're all, they're all offshoots from that belt. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Planetary Resources, it's the dude who founded the SpaceX... Or the X Prize, um, uh, and sorry, the X Prize. Okay. I think, it's, and 
And then also the dude who founded uh, Space Adventures, so the company that sends uh, like billionaires War, like to War, space. Uh, um, uh, like Warren Spector. Not Warren Spector. Uh, Richard Garriott. Richard Garriott. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to stop doing these podcasts early in the morning. You've got your chance, Will, Will yeah, a chance I, to wake up. I got nothing going here. I didn't have coffee before you got here, Gary, so... Okay, so not chugging that coffee. Yeah. Hold on, who's War- Warren Spector? Is the Deus Ex guy? Yeah, yes. When and Richard Garriott's the Ultima guy. Yes, right. Yes. Oh. Richard Garriott's one who hosts the fancy parties, he has the, tail. Yeah. the crazy uh, parties. At one time, yeah. Okay, they are both game gods. Um, so uh, I almost said Warren Ellis, which would have been really bad. Go ahead, wow. moving on. Wow, <laughs> mistakes uh, were made. It's, it's almost as bad as time I rented. My friend rented Constantine, thinking it was Alexander, but really wanted to see Troy. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Wow! That's really bad. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, space, space, uh, planetary resources, and um, so this is run by people who know space, who and, know space, and, and, and they have not to get ahead they of have NASA astronauts that hopefully are respectful toward space. It is a private business. Yeah. Uh, with investors such as uh, Eric Schmidt and Larry Page from Google, so talking about billionaires, a bunch of other investors from the tech sector, retired people, ex Microsoft people um and a uh board of advisors which includes james cameron and some other notable you know adventurers and 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 astronomers astrophysicists um private enterprise to develop the craft to the spacecraft and the technology to mine the these near-earth asteroids it just sounds crazy because you know we haven't been to the moon and we're talking about going to Mars in the long term. And, you know, we've heard about all these budgetary problems with NASA, but these people have money. I mean, we talked about last week, if we had $500 million from Instagram, what would you do? You know, well, this is something you could do with it. I'd buy Disneyland. So, so uh, these people have money and it's not like they're just throwing it away for the sake of exploration. So presumably when you're talking about mining, there is some, they're talking yeah, about so making some money. presumed back end. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. so the goal, the goal is looking, they were looking at a specific, some, some specific elements in the platinum group or palladium group, uh, platinum, cadmium, palladium, things that are uh, somewhat palladium. rare here. Yep. Yeah, because uh, you, know, you know what's interesting? I saw a piece the other day about why the iPhone, stroke iPad, smartphones in general are are really made in China. It's not just because of uh, the labor cost issue, but also because a lot of these rare earth materials can only be found there. Right. Yeah, they're mined there. They're, a lot of them actually mined, especially from the, the platinum group uh, in South Africa. Yeah. So we're talking about, uh, in terms of how many uh, resources are mined on earth, like 200,000 tons or kilograms of this, these materials, which sounds like a lot, but for every iPhone and for every piece of electronic, you know, all the transistors, all the, the solder, everything right. that needs it. And there's a finite number of uh, amount of this resource. Well, we're not near running out. No, no, no. But no. it is expensive. Well, and, and we, we've, we, every time, every piece we take out removes one of the pieces of low hanging fruit, essentially. So how do you, how do you mine an asteroid? Well, okay. so hold, so hold a, on. I want to talk about the, 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 cause the interesting thing about this is the, the whole reason behind this is they're looking at what happened when aluminum got cheap. When aluminum got cheap at the turn of the 19th century, it opened the door to uh, everything from commercial aviation to um, uh, all sorts of other stuff. It all happened at, at one of this point. Aluminum process. was more expensive than gold, right? Right, because they couldn't. Really, basically, aluminum's tied up in this stuff called bauxite, and nobody had figured out how to extract it in the normal traditional smelting ways. Yeah. So what they're looking at is if they can take platinum and palladium and cadmium and all these other things that are not not super precious on earth right now and are in pretty good supply but bring them down to the cost of aluminum now then that opens the door for 
uh, massive advances in manufacturing and materials. Yes. Sorry. Continue. So, but that's that's like decades and decades off. And getting to these asteroids, so there are about like uh, seven thousand, seven or nine thousand of these near Earth asteroids that uh, astronomers have been watching, and we know of them. They're all named. They're all. And, and they, so they share an orbit, basically, or, or intersect the orbit. Is that the is that the they're, they're designation? All, yeah, they're all within a certain distance from Earth. Okay, and some of them are near Earth asteroids that you know they are that fall. You know, they're, they're comets that they become they orbit around Earth and then they leave Earth orbit and they come back because of gravity. And stuff. This, is, this is the having more satellites than just the Moon thing. Basically. Yeah, kind of like that. Okay. Um, the, the, we know what they're made of. I mean, we know that there are metals on these asteroids and there's potentially water on these asteroids um, and they're well within reach. I mean, that Lego craft that you have. It's over there. Behind you, the Hayabusa one yes. from Japan. That was the first man-made craft that landed on an asteroid and scraped up some particles. Did it land on it or smash well, it, into it? it? No, it, it kind of like just grazed it. Okay. Um and, and well, then, but, but they can tell what asteroids are made of by using spectroscopy yeah, and all yeah, sorts of other exactly. stuff too. Yeah. So they're going to build rockets. You know, they're already private rockets available. They're going to build the robots. They're going to send the rockets out into space to create satellites to monitor these asteroids with before the end of the decade. Then develop the robots to send to the asteroids and collect the you know platinum and palladium so, and iridium. So are they looking like is this? So they're not looking at changing the orbit of the asteroids. They're to not bring bringing the orbit to nope, us, no, no, or anything it's like all that. All to be mined, but on the asteroid. I mean, they're still developing techniques. The problem is that it's not like a mine. Yeah. So it's not like you can land on an asteroid, dig deep like Bruce Willis, and then you know just get your platinum. Um, there are little pockets of it because the asteroids like are chunks. There's chunks everywhere, so you have to really scrape. You know, mm. find the little the holes of, uh, of the asteroid and. It's not just like one place. What about it's giant very space worms. No, no, no not space a real worms. thing. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Empire uh, Strikes Back. I don't know. Neil, Neil Tyson was on the news yesterday saying that, that a lot of these asteroids are stratified like planets. Like the, the, the a lot of the elements are separated into layers. But uh, Some, the bigger ones, yeah, yeah, because that's where gravity works and you know, density of the materials. But I mean, over the nine thousand near Earth asteroids, they're going to find the good ones to mine. And how did these asteroids? Like, are these asteroids that happen when something smashed into Earth and no, they it flew off into space? It's, it is. It's uh, essentially the elements of a planet that never fully formed. Yeah. Okay, yeah. and so not enough material to actually collect more material. Right, to and I think. A planet. And I think. And I think. Uh, I might be wrong about this, but Jupiter's kind of excess gravitational influence on stuff has it kind of kind of thrown a lot of stuff off too it seems okay. like you'd have to do some incredibly complicated PL equations to figure out if this <laughs> yeah, how this actually the works right? i mean like the, the cost of sending 10... something up to do this is yeah. i imagine very difficult to, to compute it's about it's about ten thousand dollars a pound to right. launch something off of the earth so right so that so what you're able to bring back has got to be more than that right and how do they it seems like you, you're never going to be yeah, sure exactly how, you, how so much money they're going to Their cost analysis right now is, you know, for a shuttle to send, for NASA to send a shuttle for the whole mission, it's $400 million. They think that they can get it down with privatized rockets to about $10 million per rocket. And they're going to send multiple rockets up with low loads, but they're not going to need to send, you know, it's going to be cheaper because they're not sending humans. It's just, it, it, I mean, we send satellites up on rockets all the time. And right, a lot of a lot of the stuff, a lot of the. But then how the do you mass. how do you get the minerals back here? So uh, half their goal is to get the minerals back, and half of it is just to collect it in space, um, so they can collect 
the, the valuable resources in space to sell to governments when space programs need to use them. For example, water. So they're going to look for these the ice deposits oh, so on this, asteroids. So this is a very forward-thinking program. Yeah. Then. Okay. So they're thinking. I mean, they're calling it like gas stations, space gas stations. because well, because it's much more valuable outside that gravity yeah. well. So you don't have because you don't well. have to pay that cost to right. get yeah. it. Ten thousand dollars for a pound of water to ship that out into space. Right. You you know build infrastructure to mine asteroids and huh. get deposits of water in these gas stations. This is something I'd love to have seen on Shark Tank. <laughs> <laughs> There was actually a guy on Shark Tank quite recently that had some kind of ins- do you I don't know if you saw this but this insane energy system where you basically built these massive windmills out in the middle of the ocean and he was saying that not only do you create energy but also as a byproduct you you create thousands of tons of gold out of- <laughs> What? <laughs> it basically says if you put if you put vast amounts of water in a centrifuge and spin it around really really fast you create these kind of mega like hydrodynamic turbines and also gold comes out <laughs> it, was the most, it was it was the most insane perpetual did, motion all machine the, all the all the sharks were sitting there kind of baffled because they were like i have no idea if you're a genius and this is like a trillion dollar opportunity or if you're uh. just a complete whack job because the science was so out there you would need an actual scientific expert to, to, to sit on. there and say this is madness or actually he might be onto something gave they, the idea away on tv yeah they call the investors sharks that's yeah. what the Shark Tank. Shark tank. Oh, I'm a little they're bummed. I thought that if you if you got gonged out, oh, you actually you get know. thrown into sh- <laughs> boom, like there are actually sharks. That eat yeah, you. No, scientific evolution. Um, so, so I mean, here's the thing about something like this: is it seems like this is one of those things that either is going to be a massive, massive success and is going to make them billions and billions right, of dollars, that's what like I'm the cellular network. Yeah, or it's going to be or a huge failure. Everyone's going to like get the satellite awesome. phone yeah. network. But if you are Eric Schmidt or Larry Page and you have billions you got and billions of dollars. And there's potential for a return of trillions of dollars, or at least developing core cool science a, and being a hero uh, yeah. of science. Why not? You're looking at serious amounts of time before the first. You see the first nickel back on any of this investment. Oh yeah, sure. Well, I don't think they're looking for nickel. Well, no, but I mean, even <laughs> like it's if you if you again if you're looking at your your uh, in and out column. Yeah. On this, you, there's going to be a shitload a of, of money going out before anything well, starts coming probably back. Probably decades, right? Yeah, a but, long, yeah. long time. But if you're Sergey Brin or, or, or Eric Schmidt, then probably a little bit on the L column is nice for your accountants. Like, that's something they're probably stoked about. You yeah, know, you can write it off. Plus, those guys are relatively young, right? Like, they, yeah, they can expect to live to see, see this come to fruition. You know, we've talked about the Sergey Brin Fred Flintstoneometer before, I think. This is my internal. When somebody says, hey, I have an idea, I like to think. Is, and it comes out and you listen to it and you're like, oh, this is a crazy idea. And I think, is this a Fred Flintstone idea or is this a Sergey Brin idea? Right? Fred, Fred Flintstone is your comparison? No, no, no. Bad Fred, ideas? No, it's a scale. Or those are ends of so, the spectrum. Yeah, right? this, is, this is the end of the spectrum. So one is, hey, let's use links as the way to uh, determine, you know, uh, how valuable – the number of inbound links is the way to determine how valuable a web page is. Google algorithm. And yeah. on the other side of it is – Hey, we're going to make the car move with our feet and yeah. a hole through the bottom. All right. Yeah. So I think that this is way on the Fred Flintstone side of the Fred Flintstone Sergey Brenometer, despite it being a really if cool. If you idea. have the option to invest in planetary yes. resources, would you? Yes. Invest in planetary Absolutely. resources. Absolutely. But wait. Then but, this is but, more on the Sergey Brin. But yeah, because no. it sounds like you don't have a lot of faith in the idea. No, I would say at least it's faith, a crazy fucking idea. Or at least faith in their potential for success. I would, I would, I would, I would not invest just, in Fred just Flintstone because cars. I, like how, again, how long do you have to wait for a return? I mean, you, yeah. like Brad says, you're going to be talking about decades. Although, you have a kid on the way. You, you're investing for the next generation. No, no. 
If there fuck was a company, the, fuck the next generation. What about me? <laughs> if, see, what about number one? What about this? If there was a company, if all the billionaires came together and created a company to try to create cybernetic humans or to make for immortality, wouldn't you be number one in line investing that? If I was a billionaire, they're not going to let nor they're not going to let chuds in. The whole point is the whole point of immortality is that whoever becomes immortal first is the ruler forever. See, because you have a head start. See, it's, it's not the same. You're thing never going to catch what, up. You're actually buying yourself time there. Whereas, it, it, there's no point in me mining asteroids and like right as I'm on my deathbed, I'm about to die. They can say, "Oh, congratulations! You started making money on this." <laughs> no, thing no. Now. What if by mining asteroids, cheap travel to Mars becomes a possibility? You can on your final death blow can be to take a pair of scissors to the dome on Mars and take a whole shitload of Martian people out with you. I mean, the, the real exception, you're in for that. The real exception to that rule is that <laughs> <a> scissors. I don't want. It's the most fucking ridiculous <laughs> scenario. <laughs> 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 One, that's on a ridiculous your deathbed. Like, you know, 110-year-old Gary on his deathbed being yeah. rolled out on the Martian landscape by his robots. So I just I'd, want, want, I'd, love, I'd love you to go to Charles Schwab and the guy <laughs> says to you, like, so what is your retirement goal? Well, I'd like to kill a bunch of people on Mars. <laughs> like the Schwab guy's got scissors. I don't think my program has an option for that. Yeah, they bring, they bring you in to, like, open the supermarket from your from your little wheelie bed thing. And you, yeah. you instead of cutting the ribbon, you just throw the scissors through the Would you like to dome. retire comfortably or leave a lot of money for your kids? Kids or murder a bunch of people on yeah. Mars. Yeah, murder the Martians, of course. Why They'd can't you do both? Yeah, why not? I um, mean, the, the one exception to that rule is that you're not in it for the money. Like, if, if you don't care about personally seeing return on the investment, but you're happy with the knowledge that you are helping to move you ha- you'd have progress to, Again, forward. you have to be someone like Sergey Brin, yeah. where, yeah, you're not in it for the money because you've already got all the money. You can, you're like, your monetary ambitions can't really go anywhere else, so you may as well do other yeah. things. Yeah. But if you're just regular, again, if you're just a regular chard, like people around the table, I, I, where I, we are still looking to get rich. I mean, Cameron didn't make a bunch of money going down to the Challenger Deep, but he wanted to do it for other right. more altruistic Right, because reasons, he was able right? to do that once he had more money than, than he knew what to do with. Right. That's, that's a different situation. Mm-hmm. Where, do you, where do you guys stand on the ethics of this? The like, space forget, mining? Forget their potential for success or failure or whatever, but like... As long as space space exploration is very quickly going from the like purely scientific enterprise it was half a century ago to fine, a, a, go for a it. Mostly, I'm fine with it. If not entirely commercial venture, and it's not like I, we're turning the Grand Canyon into a landfill. Space is kind of. Well, I think put we a can, lot of trash in the Grand I think, Canyon. I think we can afford to fuck space up a little bit. Don't you think? I mean, there's so it's there's infinite. so much of it. But and there's but, nothing but, out there. But the amount they, of, the amount that we can realistically reach is not that much. You know. Well, we got to start somewhere. Here's a, like I would be much more concerned if they were pulling like gravitational tractoring the the asteroids back into near Earth or orbit. Sure, because then you essentially have like you know a, a whole shitload of you know bombs sitting sitting in low Earth orbit, which which is not a good thing to have. You know we don't want Sergey Brin to get you know delusions of grandeur and start Doctor Eviling or anything. Hold the world hostage. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I, I think there's no harm in this. I mean, I no. think that this is... I, I, the, the, the and they're paying for research. This, harm. this seems fine. It just seems like it could be a slippery slope that leads to some straight-up and yutani kind of stuff. You well, know, like like as soon as, as soon as Exxon Mobil plants a flag on the moon is when you start. To feel well, you kinda, can't you can't own. Well, feel kind of gross. I mean, if you take the aliens out of the equation, there's nothing inherently bad about Wayland, right? <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, what are, they're not. I what think are they doing Yutani, that's so bad. I think the whole point of Wayland Yutani is the is the dystopian mega corporation. Yeah, I think that's the, the, thing. The, the the fear is if any if if so much wealth boils up into one company, 
that that they but control we have basically these, we, everything. But we but we, we have li- it already. We, we live in that world now. You just yeah. whether now, now the shit is coming from space instead of the the desert. Who well, cares? This, that's the thing. I mean, this is the most extreme extension of that framework because only multi billion dollar entities actually have access to this stuff. And well, and right. and I think Brad's point is that the the potential if this works, the potential increase in wealth out of this is going to be such. That it, it in this case, what Wayland Utownian means is to experience such an incredible amount of physical, uh, financial growth that they're, they well, scale beyond anything that's on Earth. What, what you wouldn't want, for example, is a company like this Planetary Resources, say 50 years from now, where they've established the only, they're the only company that stepped up and put the money into it. So yeah. now they've got, they've cornered the market on this vast new energy resource. Which they could now, you know, hold everyone over a barrel. That's, that's for. the, kind that's of stuff the I'm scary scenario. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, the good news is James Cameron is on board, and he invented Whalen Yutani, right. and you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want James Cameron on the advisory board for this because what if we do discover little blue people? James Cameron's going to be like, oh no, it would be unethical. I'm like, fuck them. <laughs> That'd be his dream come true. Yeah, yeah. little blue people. <laughs> fuck the blue oh my God. people. That's literally what he want to do. He grows some braids. I and- want the I want the guy who played Quaritch on my advisory board <laughs> blowing up those mega trees. Say, so get out of here, space. We need more bombs. Fuck you, space natives. <laughs> Should have developed better weapons. See, Gary's one of them. The universe belongs to those with the technology and the will to go out there and fuck it up. See, you what believe that as long as we're fighting, you know, Native American blue space aliens. If we come out and it's giant erogenous clouds that are massively militarized and look <laughs> at us like, oh, oh, hey, we're just going to grind. Oh, not, gonna, well, that's the, 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 that's that's the problem. Cities, you, the you feel great and then die. The, you know, yeah. we humans run the world because we've established ourselves at the top of the food chain. So you go out there and the food chain becomes a lot bigger in both directions. Well, there could be a lot of blue uh, hippies, you know, in, in uh, right. eco hippies. Yeah. In like, you know, Hessian robes and stuff and sticks and for weapons. we can just fuck them up but that that's one side of the coin but the other side of the coin is yeah the fucking nuclear atomic erogenous cloud that comes along with like mind control lasers and shit and we're <laughs> fucked up yeah but the, and like, that's more likely actually the, yeah. the odds and, that's of fa- us- and that's fair enough it's like we fuck up the blue people we're like yeah because we're more powerful than you and then the mega cloud aliens come along we're like ah oh, yeah I, I guess fair enough we'll you, now you pets. get to fuck us up We'll, we'll make That's great fair pets. enough. Yeah, and then yeah. we get turned into like some kind of pink slurry that they eat, and we're like, yeah, I guess you know, you live by the sword, die by the sword. What are you going to do? <laughs> well, I mean, the, the latter is much more likely to be true, given the age of the universe, and that we're you know two thousand years into our civilization, and it's fifteen billion years old. Odds are, the moment we make anything that's noticeable, you know, unless you have to have. Unless the Carl Sagan idea is right, that you have to evolve beyond a certain point in order to reach starfaring, you know, abilities. Prime We're directive. fucked. Yeah, game over, man. Humans aren't the dominant. I don't buy into that notion. I mean, it's a nice thing to think that because what we've seen already is that te- technological technological uh, evolution generally is not in any way anchored or correlated to uh, moral or ethical e- evolution. No. Um, and so there, it's not, it's nice to think that yes, the Star Trek type future by where by the time we have like warp speed, we've also evolved to a point where we use it responsibly. I don't think that's, I don't think that's his point. I think the point is that you would, if you hadn't evolved to a point that you could handle those, those powers as a species, you would have destroyed yourself well before that. I think that's the point. Right. It's much grimmer way to look at it. Right. Then, then, oh, in order to have spacefaring and nuclear power and all that stuff, like the point is 50 years after the nuke, you're still around. You've done pretty good. Right. 
Um, so anyway, anything else on the asteroid front? I, I mean, I'm really excited it's about just, this. It's just, it's just a, it's a, it's an interesting debate that is only just now beginning to have a reason to exist. You know? Yeah. Like because companies are just now getting into that space. Ha ha. Um, but like, like if you kept up with uh, like uh, Elon Musk's company SpaceX, yeah. I'm sure. Like you've had uh, like like no less August uh, a figure than than Neil Armstrong has kind of come out against that stuff. Like he testified before Congress. Saying like this extreme commercialization of space is a bad idea. Let's say we did discover a, a big asteroid that was, the, and we could figure out how to mine it. But we also just and and like the the takeaway would be huge. Like there's massive amounts of super clean, super efficient energy. Like it would solve all our energy problems. It's all good. Like we de- there's a strong incentive to go there and mine the shit out of well, this it's big materials, asteroid. Right? It's not yeah. materials. Right. It's right. Not Whatever energy, it may materials. be. Like we want really, really want unobtainium. What, yes, unobtainium is 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 strong. Um, but we also discover that there, for example. A whole alien race of like little space rodents that live there. Are they sentient space rodents? Well, I mean, is a is a mouse sentient? Well, it could be. No, I mean, our mice aren't, but maybe on another planet in different evolution. Well, let's let's say this: they, they're, they're 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 the same thing as like Earth mice, but they live on this asteroid. Mm-hmm. The, and all various types, like be like space beavers. Do they space, wear clothes? Space otters? Are these, no, like space, ot- <laughs> space otters. Like space whatever, squirrels. Whatever applies. Squirrels. Whatever space applies. Squirrels, think, of, think of the rodent universe here on Earth. Yep. Whatever that may be, rats, mice, yep. beavers. You know, those is a beaver a rodent? Yeah, I don't think it's so. A rodent is it? Yeah, I think the okay. space Nazis would want to kill those rodents and put them all up there in space. Yeah, so they don't have language or clothes or anything. Like they just if they were wearing waistcoats, they just would space, this whole thing. space mice. Like a little pocket watch and a waistcoat. Do you coat? think that we would just say fuck them? No, you we think- wouldn't. I don't no. think we could. I, I like no. to think that the second that life is discovered off of this planet, it becomes immediately becomes a bigger story yeah, and a priority yeah. than, than what kind of elements we can mine from. We would relocate them. Of course, Avatar tells us otherwise. But they're just mice. <laughs> but 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 new pets. Life pets. is precious. Pre- That's the, the argument here is that life never, in the u- in the universe that we found is so far is limited to one place that's like three miles thick, right? Yeah. But how is this different to vast numbers of species of of, of apes and jungle living dude, creatures dude, that are fu- think, thousands think about, of miles of their shit gets fucked up every day? About what it no implies, one gives a shit. What does it imply about our own existence if we find life that formed off of this planet? Well, I oh, mean, no, the implications notwithstanding, I'm talking about the actual policies and what right. What I mean, well, but forget forget the value of that specific life. Like, think about the implications for yeah, all, all of existence. Well, I, I mean, don't think space mice would be that big a deal. <laughs> They'd be a big deal wow. for the first five years, wow. and then yeah, get well, sick that's of them true. As soon as everybody got bored yeah. of having their pet space mouse, then like you know. blue people with a culture or whatever, that could be interesting from like an anthropological perspective. But if it's just mice living on a rock <laughs> wow. in space, this but, is how it begins. Yeah, you would want to take a few and study them. Gary <laughs> Witter, I'm what? disappointed in you. I don't even know. I'm speechless at this. Gary, point. You're gonna put them in camps too. Look, at the end of the right. day, yes, you would, it, you're right. It would be huge. Space mice. Mouse space mice would be on the front page of every newspaper in the world. <laughs> I get it. But once we've got over that, and the, and the question is, what do we do with them? You've got the hippies on one side saying, "Oh, we need to set up a big private reserve to study them and not mess up their natural space habitat." And you got everyone else saying, "You know, we kind of need the shit that they're living." If they get on. in the way of your iPhones, yeah. This is is taking a dark and unwholesome turn. Thriving space mice population, $5 iPhone. I think that Neil Armstrong's complaint about privatization of space is bunk because as a nation and as a world, we have been unable to do anything for the last 40 years. Well, that's the problem. I mean, the miserable state of of our... our That's the sad thing because there isn't isn't the money anymore for governments to go out there and do it. And so... Well, there is the money. They're just not allocated. Well, the will, you know, whatever. It ain't going to happen. 
Right. And so the so it's only the corporations that are going to step up, which is a shame, but you know, it's the only way we're going to get it done. Yeah. So yeah, I I say outer space brought to you by Pepsi. And that but the, again, the problem is if it's a corporate if it's Wayland that discovers space mice instead of NASA, then Wayland is going to say, "Sorry, we found it, we own it. Bad luck space mice." Well, they're con- they can't they're, do that. No, there are treaties about that because yeah. there's a, the, like the rules. Much of the rules about space are the same rules that apply to places like Antarctica. Antarctica. Um, like I know, I know that no nation can lay claim to the moon or parts yeah, of the moon. Yeah, that's the same. Same stuff applies for. Got to share that. I assume the same stuff applies for Mars and and other points further out. That's how it is know. now, though. Who knows what happens? Like you know, once, well, once valuable resources are within obvious. reach. Well, it's the same yeah. thing with like, international waters and my and you know digging for oil. Well, okay. So here's a question: Do, Should should we, when we reach Mars, should we make attempts to terraform it and make it, you know, Absolutely. so you don't have to go outside and and yeah, you know, wear pants? Yes or no? Yes. Why? I'm not a big fan of wearing pants, so I'll say yes. Okay, <laughs> Gary, we know where you stand. Yeah, why, why not have ter- you know another place to live? But I mean, it, it's so essentially it's the it's the world's largest nature preserve right now. Why? What nature though? Well, I mean, who knows? Or it's, not be, a, it's, it's not it's not a wildlife preserve. Bacteria and stuff like of. that growing underneath the underneath the, in the permafrost. Yeah. I mean, it's a big planet. We have no idea what grows where, and and there's constantly like even last week. There was a big conversation about whether the 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 Viking the Viking lander life detection experiment actually did detect evidence of life when they thought that maybe it didn't. So I mean, there's no way for us to know if we start taking algae and stuff like that to try to you know turn the thin carbon dioxide atmosphere into a more oxygen rich thing that we can actually breathe, grow stuff in. There's no way that we could know that we're not wiping out some unique ecosystem. I think it would ultimately come down to a question of how much we need it. Like if we really start running out of stuff here on Earth and people can't – again, people are fine so long as they have the shit that they want. Like you, you could find these adorable let's – like, and let's say they're really cute. Like they're super adorable space bunnies. You see those pictures on the front page of these and you're like, oh, we can't terraform their planet. Look at the adorable space bunnies. But the sooner you, then, then, then they drive down the street and gas is $50 a gallon. They're like, fuck the space bunnies. We need that shit. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. <laughs> if you had the option to live on Mars, uh, and it was all terraformed, and it was another, you know, another planet that you can live on, and have a giant mansion there where you can never come back, yeah, in, 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 you know, what would be great talking about like the what if it's like harmless space bunnies, or what if it's like the the cloud that could fuck us up, is if actually they took us by surprise and we go, well, look, they're just space bunnies. What are they going to do? And you show up and like the, the bunnies have actually got like actually do have technology, yeah, that's better than ours. They were just kind of like right. sealing it. The, the little bunnies are walking around wearing waistcoats and then all of a sudden pull out double yeah. dual wielding. Well, they just like va- ear cannons. They just like vaporize you with their thoughts. So, yeah. like, oh shit, we fucked up. Yeah. See, that's why we got to be careful with the bunnies. Maybe you're right. Maybe eradicating the space bunnies is the way to go. Because you don't really know what they what they're capable. Well, of. It's all right. They'll find faith in one tiny one, one little girl who is, represents the purity of humanity. And that's right. And they'll bring us together. Yeah. Star is child, she a poet. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's talk about uh, back doors. Uh, so you may or may not know, but like the like in war games, kind of actually, yeah. Um, there, there are uh, like very specialized operating systems that run the infrastructure of America and the world. So things like water, water filtration systems, and your the you know the things that control, make sure the water pressure stays the same in your tanks, power gas grid. pressure, power grid, traffic, lights. all of that stuff is run by some really highly specialized. I think they're kind of embedded systems that are based on what to us is very old technology at this point. And recently, the last week. 
someone discovered a back door in one of these operating systems that is used in the power grid and a bunch of other places. It's a story on Ars Technica. It was really interesting. Discuss. So somebody like a hacker could could hack in and like turn all the power off. Yeah. So the way it worked was the in order to basically there's a, a set password, a set username, and to generate the password, the backdoor password for this, you ran the MAC address for the device through a Perl script. Isn't it a good isn't it a, a good idea to like not publicize this until it's fixed? I think that there's no way to fix it is the problem. So why would you want to publicize it? You're just you're potential hackers. You just well, say, hey, hackers, here's a juicy at target. Some point, at some point, it becomes if – the, if there's exploits in the wild and people are aware of it, it's better to let the most people know so that they can replace or fix the systems in, in, pre, in question. Uh, for example, if the vendor – like th- these aren't these – aren't, um, it's not like upgrading your phone to the new version of the OS. You know, they're, they're things that you can't turn off or can't, can't have downtime on. Uh, so – so the question then becomes who has to fix it, and I think the publicizing it is a way to apply pressure to the to the vendor who fucked up. Frankly, right? That's a bit scary. Yeah, yeah. Especially, I mean, I've been reading this book about the power grid, and it seems like like a, a half a percent fluctuation in anything throughout the power grid can bring down massive swaths of of our uh, of our electrical infrastructure because it's all connected. It's a. We'll talk more about that later. That's a next week topic, I think. But anyway, I thought that was interesting. There's backdoors everywhere. That's the that's the lesson. Uh, and of course, if you you can go, you can identify the machines that run this OS with search engines on the web. So it's really easy to figure out what's oh. where and and also log in immediately. So I think I mean I think the fix, <laughs> the immediate fix for people who have these these devices is to take them off of the public web or firewall. You know, put a firewall between the outside and and them right. if they have to stay connected to the network. So. All right. Uh, Tor eBooks DRM free? No, in the U.S. and the U.K. as of this morning. So uh, this this what was not the, as of this morning as July. Well, as of okay, announced as of this morning. Uh, yeah, two days ju- ago. Yeah, yeah July. Uh, so what what was the what? Why are they doing this? Because that's what their authors asked for, and what they're using. So asked Corey for. Doctorow and Charlie Strauss and all those guys. Well, people actually write science fiction books, but yes, okay, yeah. Um, they're one of the they're the biggest science fiction publisher in the uh, in the world. And um, it's the first time a major publisher is saying that you can, you know, their books, if you buy them, will be DRM free, EPUB format. So, so the interesting thing about this, there was a, a Charlie Strauss uh, who wrote, uh, who writes science fiction, who wrote, wrote like Accelerando and, and um, he's written a bunch of stuff, a lot of singularity stuff that I think is quite good. He uh, wrote a good blog post about this the other day and explained the kind of the, the differences between like niche science fiction book sales and mainline, you know, Danielle Steele, Tom Clancy, Stephen King, that kind of stuff, the stuff that sells millions of copies. And the thing he said is that, and it makes a lot of sense, is that the kind of people who buy genre fiction typically buy a lot more books every year uh, and they tend to collect and read them over again and revisit them over the years. And, and you know, they're, they're building a collection, not necessarily just reading the book and throwing it away. Like if you buy a Danielle Steele book when you go to the beach. So the Danielle Steele people don't care about um, keeping the book, putting it on the shelf, whatever, coming back to it four years later. The genre fiction people definitely do. And given the history of DRM to this point, like the fact that, and the fact that the hardware for ebook readers and tablets and stuff is turning over at such an incredible pace, you know, every two or three years, you can't expect like the DRM schemes aren't going to last. So if you if you respect your audience and you want them to be happy with you, then then they had to basically move toward a no DRM uh, scheme, 
And uh, the announcements came a couple of days after the post. Completely unrelated, I think. I think it was just a coincidence. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that's really good. And I, I think it's a step forward for people who buy ebooks. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. I mean, the, again, the interesting thing about the digitalization of all these different media is that you. We, we we start to see a predictable pattern, right? Music was kind of the first thing that where it kind of moved moved into a post-DRM yeah. state. And I think we're seeing that event. Our books are now following. Movies will be the last thing to go. Um, but we are seeing it. And it's weird. You know, you want to be able to share stuff. You, again, in the old print days, you would, if I read a book and I was done with it and you expressed an interest in reading it, I wouldn't think anything of lending it to you. Yeah. There doesn't seem to be anything malicious about that. But obviously with ebooks, there's just... It's too easy. The, the lending or sharing system right now is very, very well, restricted. Yeah, I mean, the lending and sharing system right now, I, I, I don't think I've ever been able to – like, anytime I've had a book that I bought and somebody wanted to borrow, like, it wasn't one that supported the lending feature. So I've never been – I've never even tried it, I don't think. Right. The, the interesting thing – we talked about this a few weeks ago, and I can't remember if it was on the podcast or just out and about. But it seems like now, rather than buying stuff and, and storing and putting in boxes, we're essentially just buying licenses to stuff. So when I when I kick off – when my when my when my grandparents died, they left books to the family members and whatever. When we die, there, there's not going to be no, there's not going to be any transfer. Yeah, I mean, I think this, this is this is this is the bigger question. I think it's really interesting to talk about from like a philosophical macro kind of viewpoint. Is the nature of ownership is changing? Yeah. Well, how much of your stuff? How much of your great grandparents' stuff do you actually own? Um, some, I'm as sure, a percentage sure, of how much they own, I'm sure somebody has a lot of it. It's right? mostly furniture for my great grandparents because they didn't buy media. The point is, how much media? It all still physically exists somewhere. Yeah, yeah. well, some of it. Well, what, I would argue very, very right. few of it. And I think we are in a very interesting generation where we uh, had computers when personal computers first became affordable. And if you look like the oldest. Com- file on your computer it's probably really old because yeah, we like move we move our bucks. files over every time we build a new computer right. and we are like is it gonna be like when i leave a will am I, is my will gonna be like i and to my daughter i leave my itunes password yeah, like so on you your, can on get you can, so you can re-download all my shit you're gonna be rasping out your amazon password yeah, yeah. exactly yeah, I mean, I almost think you should make – I've been thinking about making a, just a password death list in case I get hit by a bus or something because, <laughs> I mean, well, it's, I, for, I just have to give the one password password, I for guess. For me, it's going to be – it's not going to be an issue for me because my will is just going to be like, fuck you all. I'm taking it all to the grave. But, but you want to bring everyone to the room. I you spit still at, have to have yeah. spit at you with my last breath. I'm going to go out like Khan. From hell's heart, I stab at thee. <laughs> it's like, come, come closer, child. Uh, what is it, Dad? Um, Fuck you. <laughs> and, then and, then the, and then the Martians. That's right. Martian child, come close. You could make it contingent. You could make the inheritance <laughs> contingent on them fulfilling your last wish, which is to wipe out a Martian dome city. Yes. When you go, don't you want to send your, someone get on your a ass to Mars? You, you want to send <laughs> that, kill everyone. You want to send all your fans, friends turn them all off. and all your family and all your descendants on some crazy treasure hunt. Yeah, like Total yeah. Recall. And and at the very end, the payoff is nothing. Yes, or you know the journey. Yes, yeah. And then I they're hope all you've learned on, a very valuable. Yes. The, the real treasure is the valuable lesson about life I've taught you, which <laughs> yeah. is don't trust anyone. <laughs> Everyone is a liar, and your family's nothing, out to get you. Nothing can ever come to any good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> so this is, this is dark places when we start too early in the morning. Yeah, but for my dog, dark. my Spotify account. <laughs> yeah. 
I leave everything to the dark. I'm plagued by the dark, nightmarish thoughts that follow me from sleep into into my waking state, usually until I've had about lunch. <laughs> this is good to know. Is that a temporal thing, the time you have lunch, or is it because of what you eat for lunch that relieves your, your mental It might be the anguish. protein in the lunch. Yeah. Much like, much like get, coffee. Yeah, much like the coffee. Mm. It's, Nightmares. Uh, it, dri- it drives away the dark mm. thoughts. Good, good to know. <laughs> drives, I call drives them back in. Drives them back into the into the dark recesses of my mind. Oh, I can't wait until you have a kid. Um, Ivy Bridge, it's out. You can get it now. Uh, Lloyd used to write that stuff for us, and he's working for it's PC a giant World tick. Now. It's probably the biggest uh, Intel tick upgrade in uh, in a long time. It's, it's primarily a graphics upgrade, right? So it is primarily a graphics upgrade. Wait but It's also the first twenty two nanometer chip. Tick Desk. as in the incremental. Tick is incremental. Talk I, I is bigger have, than I have four. I thought the talk I don't was know the if, big one. I don't know if this is the venue, like, but I have taken issue with, with your, look at a clock. your TikTok definition. Look at a clock. Tick comes before talk. Yeah. Right. Tick is the does, first does part. Yeah, tick is the big thing and talk is the follow up. No. Talk yeah, is I agree. the big That's brand. why you have it backwards. Talk is big. Uh, tick is small. That's why you have it backwards. Oh, no. I agree with Norm. Norm is right. Tick is small. What is the rationale? That is an arbitrary judgment. Talk. Tick talk. There is an order. Tick comes first. Talk is the second half of Yeah. Tick is the beginning of the cycle, yeah, yeah. and then doesn't matter where it is the, the sequel. It's all, I respectfully it's, disagree. No, I'm with Brown Team Brad on this oh one. <laughs> this is this is. I don't even respectfully disagree. <laughs> I disrespectfully disagree. Well, this is by Intel's definition of the TikTok cycle, which they invented. Are they the ones out there? I, it's They're ca- the ones counter- started this. It is counterintuitive. If this I didn't know what what how you guys defined it, and I heard TikTok, I would t- assume talk that is usually was major architecture change. Tick is refinement yeah. by Intel's logic. The very, very first chip that they made, which they're saying was a tick, was an incremental upgrade oh, yeah. to but something that came before that didn't even exist. Not, but they invented the tick. This is like a fucked up chip in wrong. Type situation. They are wrong. They are logically yeah, totally wrong. Totally wrong. This. Sometimes when you're wrong, even when someone's wrong, you have to you have to use the terminology <sighs> that they use to, so that what you're talking about makes sense. To that, that really else. that really begs the question. It takes just it? seems smaller. Yeah, it's a small sound tick. Like I, like I said, that's subject. That is t- totally subjective. Yeah, and it, and it makes no sense at all because when you actually take it all the way back to the clock analogy, a talk is no bigger than a tick. No, Every tick seconds. of the clock is is equal. Yes. I read that they're not teaching kids how to read analog clocks anymore in school. You have to teach really? kids how to read analog clocks? Yeah, you learned it in third grade. We learned it clock reading in so third you, grade. Before third grade, you didn't know. You, no clock. you don't have a good concept What is of that circle? Well, you knew it was a clock, but you but the ability to tell time and measure the passing of time is something that cognitively that is learned that is crazy. Third grade, like, I, like, third grade, I, I think maybe eight years old. Eight years old. I kind of get that we're getting, doing away with like handwriting classes and stuff like that, but like we're not ready to move past and this well, analog clocks much. are still everywhere. Yeah, I mean we're. We're doomed as a species, aren't we? Yeah, pretty much. Bag of salad, man. I've long said that the invention it's, of bag of salad is the beginning of the end for humanity. Because if you can't take some greens yeah. and make food out Tear of them. Tear them up and wash them and right. put them in your mouth. You're fucked. Game yeah. over. Yeah. But the bag it's of salad is just convenient. Well, that's convenient. Well, but so is, so is a digital yeah, so is a digital watch. display. Yeah, look, you don't have to think about with the little hand and the big hand. Like, are, we, are we all destined to become Eloy with no Morlocks to... Perform all of the menial. I was like, thinking more of the fat guys from Wally, but you know yeah. yours works too. Okay, I like yeah. the fat guys. From I'm Wally. all right with that. I never understood Wally as a cautionary tale. Those fat dudes. <laughs> those fat. That, we've talked about this before. Those big fat dudes floating around. They seem real happy. I'm Milk like, I'm like, how everyone. quickly can we get there? 
because I, cup. I want that. Yeah. Mm, blues well, then why red. did you lose all that weight? You were you could have just kept going because I want because I want to live long enough to get to that point <laughs> where I can be. A, then I can put the weight on, and they've got some kind of pill that'll just keep me alive no matter what I eat. But you know, the Wally thing is extreme. Because even if we had the hover chair, it's in the milkshakes in a can, and, and, and cupcake in a cup. cupcake in a cup uh, doesn't mean we'll necessarily <laughs> get fat. We just take a pill, and you know, I'll go, I'll go away. Yeah, it's a, it's an artery reaming pill. Yeah. Okay, so we were talking about something that I have no idea. Ivy Bridge, Ivy it's Bridge, out. yeah. Um, how, how is it? Is it good? It's very fast. Uh, no, not not worth the upgrade from Sandy Bridge to Ivy Bridge in terms of if whether or notebook or even not. if you're on a thirteen sixty six board still. No, if you're on a thirteen sixty six board, get just, get off yeah. a thirteen sixty six right. board. Really? I'm not making chips in really. So I'm very, I'm very one. excited to see this come into the next Mac cycle. A lot of people are excited for this for iMacs, you know, all in one systems and notebooks. So ready it's for more, the, more notebooks for, for me, Mac. I yeah. think. Notebooks yeah. can be way more power efficient um, at 22 nanometer process. Yeah. And the graphics, the integrated graphics. Which would be great because my MacBook Air, I mean, you unplug that thing yeah. and it's the battery is a, jo- is a joke. Hmm. You have the 11 inch? Yeah. The first 11 inch, right? Yeah. My, yeah. Mine's a joke too. Oh. Yeah, that's why I use the iPad now because I can't get more than two and a half hours, three hours of battery. How's life. your thirteen, Brad? It's fine. It's brand new. It's, it's it's like a month old. Okay. So the battery hasn't had time to degrade yet, but it lasts forever. Is that brought to you by NCIS uh, or CSI or? Uh, how I met your mother. I think. Okay. How I met your mother. <laughs> that's where this one came from. That's good. <laughs> how I met your MacBook. You know, uh, Apple actually doesn't uh, give promotional consideration for that show. Oh, no? really? Yeah. No, they have to use stickers over the Apple logos. Only Thirty Rock. Wow. NBC shows. Wow. Well, interesting. Um, so I, yeah, Ivy Bridge is good. The Max PC had good story on it. Uh, there's, there's write ups all over the place. Uh, desktop right m- now, it will come out. I mean, we can anticipate laptop chips yeah. very soon. It's more exciting for mobile, I think, than desktop, especially if you're already on Sandy Bridge. Uh, I'm, the- I'm, I'm just so ready for an iMac upgrade that, you know, I'm, I'm going to be jumping in when. You're going to replace the air as well, same time? Well, I mean, they don't, they're on the same, they're not on the same Depending cycle, on, are they? But yeah, the yeah. next, the next refresh, I'll probably, we'll probably upgrade both my laptop and my desktop. Okay. And okay. then you'll get the PC at the end of the year. Whenever Windows or, 8 comes out. Okay. Yeah. What are you going to do for Diablo 3? Uh, when is Diablo 3 coming out? <laughs> next month. Next month. Three weeks. I can play it on the HD PC until... Blizzard games always scale to whatever. Is that, is that a game... I'm not actually... I'm not a big Diablo guy, but I will be playing this one. Is that a game that I could play with a controller, or should no. I really be playing I, with I don't think it, I don't think I'll even have work. controller support built in. you can play okay. with other people. They've talked about... Yeah, I mean, there are, all kinds of, together. there are all kinds of signs that it will come to a console at some point, but I don't think there's support in the PC version. For okay. We can, Maybe I'll just wait until I build the new machine. I'm not, I'm not champing at the bit to We can play, play the, the single-player co-op. Oh. Four people at once. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, that's yeah. fun. Okay. Um... Let's see what else. Uh, GM announced Super Cruise this week. This is basically a combination of two existing technologies. Uh, adaptive cruise control, which is the thing where it tells how far you are from the car in front of you so you don't rear-end them when you have cruise control on. And then the- Cruise control is the most magical thing. Really? In the past Adaptive 20. cruise control. It's good well, for freeway When cruise driving. control was invented, you know, 20, 30 years ago, whenever it was, having that in the car blew my mind. See, you're too young to remember this, but when cruise control first came out, it never worked right because it was all based on a vacuum system. And as soon as you got a, like a pinhole leak in the vacuum system, oh. it would it would be very unreliable. My parents' Oldsmobile cruise control, and I was driving that. Was like an 85 Olds? 88 Olds. I, I use it a lot when I drive to LA and back. Yeah. Um, you know, especially just driving down the five. I mean, it's a very, very straight shot. There's usually very little traffic. You feel like you can just put cruise control on. Because otherwise, you, you you start to get like your ankle cramps up from just keeping the accelerator held yeah. down. So it's good for that, but like I never leave it on for too long because I feel uncomfortable about the idea that I've, control. I, I've, abdica- I've abdicated part of my responsibility for driving yeah. the car to the system. Well, do you move your foot to the brake then and just have it at the ready? 
Well, yeah, because that's what I mean. So for people who aren't familiar I, with how cruise control works, it's it's the it's so easy to override, right? You, you only have to. There's just like touch. four different ways to turn it off. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, all I do is you just just the lightest touch on the brake will yep. shut it off immediately. Yeah. So I usually sit cross-legged when I'm on cruise control. You know, I like to make it a little more exciting. Oh, no, I don't do that. I've got it. It's, <laughs> that extra time. Well, now you can sit. I've, I've now cross-legged and arms folded. Yeah. I've done that before. Like, I've occasionally sat back. Oh, I've, you can do that for, like, one second. Like, again, on a straight shot, you can, you can completely <laughs> relinquish really control of the car. You can't take your hand off the wheel. On going down five, are you kidding? You could just lash the wheel straight. <laughs> yeah, you can just tie no the problem. wheel off. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, um, like you're in a shit. No, Use your shoulder. So how long before self-steering becomes Well, that's what Google's working on. That's what this is. Yeah, so in Cadillacs right now, they're testing technology that uses both adaptive cruise control with a full spectrum of st- start and stop, which means the car can even – the cruise control can stop the car and like start it back up. All the way to zero up. if you're wow. in traffic. Yeah, and, uh, and also lane monitoring. So it can use it uses cameras and markers to spot where the lines are on the road and GPS so it knows where the turns are coming and can, can anticipate that so that you can, for a little bit, take your hands off the wheel and on a highway with even roads, it will drive along that road. I'm not loving this. This can Any, anything. Well. The photo anything they released was an old dude, arms folded, looking at the camera. Yeah, in his as he's driving along. I, any, anything that lulls a person behind the wheel into any sense of complacency or security sounds like a terrible idea. Yeah, yeah, but you're not a driver. Well, you know, we have it law- used to be. I mean, so, okay. so Nevada is the only state right now with laws regulating autonomous cars. And uh, Nevada, the, Nevada, yeah, they're front runners always. Yeah, California, we're we're soon. It's 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 uh it's getting voted on soon, and I think Jerry Brown's going to sign it. I don't like it. I even with like as you said, even with cruise control, my foot is never far. Even though it's tempting to like enjoy the cruise control and like cross your legs and think I'd have to worry about this part, my foot is always right there, close to the brake yeah, in case like, I, I, can I, over, think, I want to be able to override my it in, attention. Like, yeah. At least you know for the first five years that we have autonomous cars, if my foot isn't on, because you have to be licensed driver to, to use autonomous to work, cars yeah. anyway. Uh, but anyone who's experienced driver and knows how cars works and knows the feel of the road, if the car, if the robot's driving your car. You're going to be paying way more attention. Are you initially. kidding? I'm going to be no watching a movie. No, I would be freaking no out. I'm going to get an in-car Xbox. I'll be sitting there playing some Halo. We're driving to, we're driving no, to work I'll be in the morning. Freaking out, and at a slight bump, I'm going to grab the steering wheel. You trust wheel. technology think, to do everything I else? God no, not not drive a think, car. I think this could be plenty of people's excuse to abdicate the responsibility to safety behind the wheel. I, I trust technology to do a lot of things, but I don't usually. I'm not usually reliant on technology if it goes wrong. It's like, you know, if Pirates of the Caribbean goes wrong, the pirates don't eat the tourists. Like, it's that analogy. Yeah. So you're saying that the, the Cadillacs are velociraptors? I'm, I'm, I'm saying that if my Dropbox goes down, I don't, fu- I don't fl- drive over a cliff and fucking die. Mm-hmm. Whereas if this piece of technology goes wrong, I could die. Here's the thing, though. You're assuming that everybody that's driving today other people. pays I'm, attention I, I, when they're driving. You Look around you, man. Dude, the, the Motherfuckers number- with phones up, like lipsticking, but- drink two drinks in the hands. Yeah, and, and all I, over the, the number, place. The number of times I have almost been run down in a crosswalk in this fucking city yeah. in the last two months yeah. tells me that a lot yeah. of people are not qualified to be driving I would cars. much rather I trust the computer way more than I trust I mean, Joe, I mean, Joe Sixpack. Maybe there is that argument. If if the, if the people are, if we're already on a track where people are not paying attention anyway, yeah. then, by, then by all means, let's have other systems compensating for that. I wonder if your insurance rates go up if you get a self-driving car. I don't know. I saw a thing uh, on TV. There was a commercial this week for – I can't remember which car it was, but they had – very simple compared to this even, but it was a, it was a, a rear-view camera. That if it detected motion through the rearview camera, it would apply the brake. So, yeah. well, the, the, like that stuff happens a lot. They have the the backing up sensors and the whole nine yards. Now, yeah. like the self parking cars and and 
like like the self parking cars I always thought were a little dopey because if you I think if you drive then you should be able to parallel park. But um old people. Mm, people who don't live in cities. I mean it I, doesn't really I mean it is I, I kinda get it. Like, you know, so many accidents these days are caused, for example, like you're too busy texting. You don't notice the car in front of you suddenly stops. You rear, you rear, rear ended yeah. the other car. If there's a, is a, if there's a system that can come in and intervene there, I guess that's a good thing. So you want, you want the ocean in the car? <laughs> I don't know. I, I thought this was really interesting. It's, it's kind of a halfway between the Google self driving cars where you get in and tell it where you want to go and it takes you there and, um, you know, and current cruise one, control. Once we're at that level and that technology is proven, I'm all for that. It's just this kind of weird transitional phase we're in right now where how much who's really driving the car is kind of up for question. It, That's a bit weird. Yeah. Well, I mean, and you have and, to have someone behind the steering wheel. It's going to be like hybrid, any kind of technology. It's going to take a couple of generations. So. And it'll be 30 years before. Well, it'll be 30 years yeah. before everybody's driving self-driving cars. At and, least. And people still want to drive cars. The yeah. self-driving aspect will well, just be the, complimentary. iRobot. But, I mean, there are a lot more interesting car technologies that are useful today. I mean, stuff like sensing eye droop and, and you know, and, and people falling asleep at the wheel. Um, that The whole Diamond Chrysler um, research team, they created this cab where it, it's for truckers who do long-term driving, but it can just sense, you know, sense how sleepy the driver is and then, you know, uh, it'll – Blast out like aromas. I'll wake the driver up and then play music at certain volumes. To Hold on, what kind of aromas does it blast out? Orange, really? Yeah, orange citrus. wakes you up. Citrus wakes you up. Interesting. How about smelling oh. salts? Yeah, I, I, I would think like ammonia salts. or something would really. <laughs> yeah. But then also it works the other way. So when, when it tells drivers to take naps at the side of the road so they get better well rested, then the cab modifies itself to be more soothing wow. so that you can take a better nap. Tense the windows, maybe. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Um. Uh, a couple of other things. Let's see. We talked about passive homes on the site last week. I thought this was really neat. It's a Euro thing that's coming, starting to come here. Um, and, and basically, uh, the idea is that you build a home that's airtight and much, much more heavily insulated than any normal uh, US American home. Uh, and the idea is that you can heat it with a couple of candles or just turning on your oven to make cookies or whatever. Uh, just or just the mere fact that you have human beings walking around inside is enough to keep the warm the house warm even in really frigid climates like Wisconsin and and Canada and Scandinavia and stuff like that and it works the same way in the summer it keeps it'll keep everything cool inside as well with minimal minimal cooling hmm. so the upshot is that your your energy budget for heating and cooling dramatically decreases um, and and the interesting thing about this is that energy budget for cool for temperature control in our house house is probably the single largest carbon expenditure that any of us have, especially if it's like one person in a house. If your house was completely airtight, how long would it take before the oxygen supply would become an issue? So it's airtight, but that just means that they control the the inflow and outflow it's of closest. air. So you just, so, it just so kind of events every so often or something constantly. So it has oh. a constant. Uh, inflow outflow, and the thing that they do is they have heat exchangers between the incoming and outgoing air, so that in the summertime it it puts the cool, it transitions the cool from the outblowing air into the ingoing air, wow. and in the winter it transitions the heat from the outgoing air into the in, incoming air. Uh, so it, it's basically like a heat pump, but works a little bit differently. There's also some other stuff they do. Uh, they they have like because. They remove thermal pipes from the inside to the outside. So things like dryer vents are responsible for a massive, massive amount of energy. Like 200 cubic feet of air goes out every time you run your dryer. So if you're, if you're running your, if you're, if you're in a house and it's wintertime, then you're essentially pumping out 200 cubic feet of air, which is a ton. 
uh, of heated air straight into the outside. Um, so you use different kinds of like condensing dryers and and stuff like that. There's there's a whole bunch of other stuff that goes into it. But I thought it was a really interesting story, like triple pane glass, four foot thick walls or two foot thick walls or something like that. It's it's crazy. Mm. Um, and, and pretty neat. The, the danger, of course, the bad thing, of course, is it costs a fair amount more when you're constructing the house. Um, it's just like, it's like the whole solar panel thing. It's like, it's a massive initial outlay of cash. And then well, the solar theoretically panels, you'll make it up over time. Well, if you're going to, the problem is nobody lives in their house for 20 years anymore. Yeah. Um, the solar panel thing though, because the price of solar panels has dropped like 90% in the last three years is not that big of an initial expenditure anymore if you're building new. So anyway. Uh, let's, uh, let's, I think that'll do it for us on news this week. Do you want to talk about Walking Dead or do you want to save that for the end, Gary? Uh, it's out. I, I didn't know we were talking about it. I thought we'd give you a plug. Since, so, yeah, since sure. Why not? Uh, did you want to talk about, uh, another mega Apple quarter or is that boring at this boring. point? Boring. <laughs> Who cares? Boring. 11 billion in profit. The, the only, the only part about that that I thought was interesting was like, when does it end? I mean, I just saw the numbers this week that they are up 94% again on the same quarter last year. It's like. The, the, this can't go on forever. I mean, otherwise they're just going to own the fucking universe. Well, eventually, well, as the tablet have very market small, matures, they have a very small market share in most of their products, aside from you know iPod, iPhone, um, and iPad. Well, iPad, but iPad. in terms of computing overall, and, and even global isn't market, it, isn't it double digit now on the on the computing side though? It I depends. They have made some gains. It, yeah. They have, but it depends. Like if you look at if you include enterprise and stuff like that, it's still very very low. If you look at retail sales, and they're like 17 percent. Also, you know, international markets. Yeah. What uh, and what, if anything, ever came out of that in terms of speculation or uh, ideas came out of that uh, top secret uh, Tim Cook Valve meeting? There that, was that no took place. That's what. Oh, did it not yeah. take? No, it was. It, it, was it all a? That didn't even happen. Didn't even happen. That headline was repeated. Like, yeah, that was a big story. That was everywhere. And then Gabe Newell said, "I never met. I've Tim never Cook. met Tim Cook." Wow. I mean, if anything, the, you know, the interesting thing that came out of Valve this week wasn't the Tim Cook thing, but the release of the employee handbook. Yeah, which I think everybody should read. I thought it was really interesting. What was so? I didn't read it, but I know it got it went around a lot. What was so interesting about it? Uh, so it's basically it basically describes their the the it, it, the first hint of this came with that Michael Abrash blog post yeah. two weeks ago. Uh, where he basically said, look, they've built a culture. They realized that being able to repeat stuff is much less valuable than being first and being creative and building an environment where creative people can do smart things uh, efficiently and well. And basically, they don't have a structure. Like the the whole thing about the company is it's a narco-cynical commune kind of where everybody just does what they think is going to be the most valuable thing for the company. Like Abrash, who is a really highly respected graphics programmer, yeah. is working on wearable computing at Valve. Because as as like stuff like the Google glasses and, and right. like ways to integrate computers into your clothing. Because he thinks right. that's yeah. interesting. Like yeah, and like, like is that likely to valuable he can do? Like it. is that ever likely to show up in a Valve game? Probably not. But but who knows what it'll lead to? Yeah. Right. So so the the handbook basically goes through the list of ways that you can can't fail. What what you what people have been fired for? Kind of. It doesn't say like. But it, what it doesn't say is. Well, I mean, what it does say is look, a lot of inference you can make from yeah. stuff. Like they'll explicitly say we've never fired anyone for making a mistake, but the but is that you can infer they've fired people. Gabe for, has stabbed someone to death yeah. with his knife collection, though. <laughs> yeah, for for not living up to their potential, wasting right. their potential, wasting their time. Right. Um, they talk about like there being no kind of hierarchy. So if you go have a conversation with Gabe about something, it's not Gabe telling you to do this. It's Gabe saying, "Hey, I think this is kind of a cool project and maybe something you're interested in." But if you'd rather do something else and that's more valuable to the company, that's that's totally it. Really, cool it sounds too. like this like utopian society. It's it sounds like a hive. 
is what it sounds like. Like a, like like the same kind of instructions that bees and ants use to it sounds to it sounds amazing order out of chaos. It sounds really amazing and forward thinking, and it's obviously yielded some impressive results. But it, like at the same time, you wonder if they can only get away with it because they have this massive other revenue stream. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. the same yeah. thing. The like, whole thing up all the time. It sounds very cool, but clearly this is this is the kind of structure that is afforded by the the vast wealth that they have. I mean, yeah, they're yeah. a very comfortable company financially. And oh, yeah. and still no episode three. So, I mean, clearly everything's not perfect. Oh, did you read that uh, Gabe interview where they uh, talk about Half-Life without mentioning Half-Life? Oh. It was kind of funny. I, 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 uh, is that the one where he made some oblique reference to, to Half-Life 3, though? Well, no. So uh, there was an interview where um, where I guess Gabe was being interviewed and Quiet, uh, the interviewer was talking about uh, Ricochet. You know, do you remember the game Ricochet, yeah. which is a Steam game? It was basically Disc of Tron, but 3D using a Source Engine. One of the first games released on Steam. Um, Chloe, quiet. It was they were talking about Ricochet Two, and the whole time they were having this conversation about Ricochet Two, but really they were talking about Half Life Three. Nice, without interesting. Talking about, without saying Half Life Three. Uh, other the other big Valve news. I don't know if you heard. It sounds like Steam on Linux is imminent. Yeah, I know. I heard that. That's crazy. The Pharonix, which is like the been the preeminent Linux desktop site for years now. Uh, apparently has seen it working and it, it's a thing now. Is, is that actually big news? Uh, it is because if you think about all the other places that Linux pops up, that means, you know, Android, Steam and all that stuff is possible as, as we move more Linux, you know, as we use like kind of more Chrome notebooks run Linux. So you could have Steam on Chrome, Chrome OS, not exciting today, but yeah. it could be in five years. I mean, like, yeah, like Linux as a desktop OS, probably never going to happen at this point, but, but. At, at, it'll be a custom. It'll be the underpinnings for some other. Uh, yeah, if, like if Linux. Anything. Linux on embedded devices. It seems like the the real yeah. the real thing there. Yeah, phones and tablets. Yeah. So uh, I guess that does it for news this week. A uh, couple other small things. Um, the CISPA stuff is going to get vetoed. We're not going to talk about it at all because it's 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 done. Um, but it's basically it was a bad piece of legislation. The White House said, the, and, you know, and Obama said, "Hey, I'm going to veto it." I think it's the first thing he's threatened to veto in in this uh, presidency. So, see how that goes. Uh, Galaxy Nexus GSM is out. You can buy it direct from Google now. It's four hundred dollars off contract. Um, it's HSPA plus, not AT and T LTE or uh, well, I, I mean, it, I guess it's T-Mobile's fake four G. But uh, and that's it for news. I'm going to play some music and then let's talk about what we're testing. We're running real late here today. So, Norm, anything – I'm looking at the highlights. We talked about NAB stuff already. Uh, we talked about coffee. I got to uh, use the new Espro – or I got to taste coffee from the new big Espro uh, filter pot. It's a French press with dual filters so that you – like one is 12 times the fineness of a normal French press and one is nine times, I think. So you basically get a French press pot without the kind of sludge in the bottom that, that – People don't like. Oh, that's cool. Um, uh, they're going to send us one of those as soon as they have more units. They've sold out on the first batch, but they did a Kickstarter to to fund that, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, I like my. Fr- it's good for, I, I like making French press coffee, but I hate cleaning it out. But mm. that sludge at the end is always horrible. Yeah, I hate how little coffee I can make with Aeropress. Yeah, that's why I don't use it anymore. I do one cup. Like if I want a cup in the afternoon, I make an Aeropress rather than a than a Chemex. Um, did you try the new disc yet? The new no, I'm still using the uh, the water. Oh, I tried. You mean the paper? Or the yeah, the paper. I tried the disc yesterday. I was quite pleased with it. It did a, did a nice cool. job. I ground very fine. Um, and then we tr- we got hands on with that ste- that crazy steampunk coffee maker. The the um, uh, basically it's a siphon pot that's for that's for like cafes, and it's an automated siphon pot machine, which was bananas. 
I really burnt the shit out of my tongue on that coffee. So that was bad. Uh, anything else on what we've been testing? Uh, you've not played Fez? Nope. You've not played oh, Fez? I have a code, but I haven't played it yet. I'm a little bit uh, intimidated by it. It's really good. It is an, it, it is an intimidating experience, but, but a rewarding one. I thought it was just going to be like a cute puzzler with a gimmick, well, that, but then I'm seeing all I these hieroglyphic that, code that books is, that are showing up online. It's like, like really? Do I want to get this into it? the greatest success of that game is that they presented that front very believably until yeah. it actually came out. And people yeah. were, oh, wow. Holy crap. She just totally... Did she think you were... She charged my her? foot. Yeah, Chloe is truly her. bananas this morning. Wow. Hey. <laughs> she's, she's, she's scared of feet. Huh. I, I think That's that, why I got my feet up. I put on my I, shoes. I think that the woman... I think the place we got her, They. I think they might have beaten her with shoes when yeah. she was a puppy. That sucks. So Fez really is actually is, is more puzzly and complex oh, yeah. and challenging well, than like, it looks. It's like basically like an ARG game or an ARG like wrapped up in this like well, cutesy platformer. If you, if you want to play it as a platformer... And just bounce around and rotate to collect all the gold cubes. You can do that. What's the AIG aspect? It, it looks and sounds amazing, and it's ten bucks. So if you just want to like collect the thirty-two cubes, which is a really easy thing to do, and yeah. just see all the levels, you can do that. But, but what's the what's the other aspect? There, there, there's an entire uh, alien writing system in the game that, you, right. that it expects you to decode yourself. Right. There are puzzles that involve QR codes. There are puzzles that purely involve the uh, the vibrations like, in the controller, hieroglyphics. Huh. Uh, it's it's like, crazy. It's it's the thing I said when I, the thing I. Like I would listen to the bombcast last week because I'm I'm a little bit behind, but I listened to the bombcast and I was glad to hear that this happened to you guys too. But when I started playing it, basically I I kind of you know how in a beautiful mind when John Nash is getting schizophrenic and and, and he starts seeing signs everywhere everywhere he looks. Mm-hmm. This game is like that except for the signs are actually there sometimes. So like you'll be you'll be standing there looking at something you'll see like a light blink someplace and you'll be like oh that's a weird blinky wait hold on oh yeah okay. <laughs> That means something. And then you do something and something happens. You're like, oh, my fucking God. That is unbelievable. I will check it out, but I don't think I'm the kind of player that would fully extract like all the marrow. I mean, it's all out there. It's all been solved at this point. So if you just want to get through it the first time and then just take all those answers and plug them into the game to at least see how it fits together, you can do that. And and I think the way to play that game is to do a first pass without looking at cheat guides and stuff like that. And if you get stuck on something, don't linger. Just move on. Because some of those puzzles, like one of the puzzles in particular is so so difficult that even though people have figured out the answer through brute force, there's no – like nobody understands why the answer is what it is. Right. So um, – See, that doesn't sound great to me. Like, well, you won't hit that until you're real deep in the game. Okay. Like that's, that's – the, it's the very last thing basically. Okay. Um, it's it's – uh, the thing that the thing that it does really well is when you figure out something that that had been that that you've been looking at for a while, like it just you kind of let it rattle around the back of your head. You end up getting the full endorphin rush of oh my god, I can't believe I finally solved. Yeah, that. see, that's what I like. And then it rewards you because you ha- you can go back and recycle that that solution in multiple places okay. four or five times. Not not so many that's tedious, but I think enough that it's it feels good. I, right. it's, it's a really there's only like two things about that game that I don't like. I think I'm going to talk about them get into it this weekend. I do have a code. I want to. I'm going to give it a try. It. Yeah, I, I I it's it's my favorite game of the year so far. So I don't think anybody's surprised by that. Uh, let's uh, let's uh, uh, do a question or two. You like it better than Journey? Yeah, I like it way better than Journey. Okay, Whoa. I thought Journey was very pretty. Very different games. Yeah, like Journey is a the thing the the thing that I love about Fez is it scratches my exploration itch really well because there's it's massive. You can go through and just see a bunch of really cool shit if that's all yeah. you're into, uh, and you'll do that as as a in collecting all the gold cubes. 
Um, you also, it's a clearly a love letter to video games. There's a lot of like, like there's, I don't want to spoil stuff, but th- there's, there just the art design of the game changes. I mean, do you, do you agree? Yeah, it yeah. changes pretty dramatically throughout the, throughout there's a lot different of different worlds. A lot of homage in there. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Like if, if you, if you have a love of eight bit and 16 bit games, there's a lot to, to like. Okay. Do, like there's just as a tourist, there's a lot to go through and see and be like, Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, I forgot about this. Um, it, it's, I thought it was quite good. I guess I, mean, I got to get Trials Evolution too. Yes, huh? yeah, yes. yeah. That that game that, is it very because I, I got tr- the first Trials. Is it very different to that? It's it's basically more of that, but okay. much better and much more fleshed out. Well, All right. the perspective did, in the first one did the perspective like could it rotate? No, that's one of the new things straight? they do. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like the, I mean, right. you're always like side on with the action, but but they do a lot of weird camera moves. As yeah, you I'm gonna grab that too. Yeah. I like I like the first one. A lot, a lot better art design and stuff. Yeah, it's it's um that game like having. So there's some I, some people who will remain nameless who are on my friends list who uh, ha, apparently have been obsessively playing that game to to be the first ghost on every like it's always the same two people that are yeah. number one and number two. It, it facilitates <laughs> that if you like in this that. game this would just trials would destroy you. I mean yeah it hits yeah. you over the head constantly with how much better your friends have been doing. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. So. I, I stuff think you can on turn that off, though. You right? can. You can yeah. disable a lot of it. I don't stuff on XBLA right now. Yeah, it's a, it's a yeah, The download is like all the best games so far this year are downloadable. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the, that's the way it was last year, too. It's yeah. Really like but it's really pronounced right now. Yeah. Not a lot of big retail releases, but. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's it. Oh, oh, th- oh, the other thing about Fez is that there's pictures hidden in the soundtrack. Like yeah. I, da- I opened that sound visualizer app that we all installed for the Portal 2 Arg last year. And not quite every track, but almost all the tracks have at least one or two images hidden inside. In which wow. is the visualizer? In, in the visual. In, in, like you have to open forms? up a spectrometer. No, not in waveforms. You open up the the um, the spectrogram or whatever it's called, and you set it to some specific like you have to cycle through the settings until stuff becomes visible. But basically it's hidden in the in the quiet space. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, that's, that's more work than I'm willing to put in. Well, you can go find the pictures on. What was Neo the picture that, that Jeff mentioned? Like, there's like picture of like Leon Trotsky wearing fez or something like oh, dude, that. There's there's like, all sorts of yeah. There's just, like, just crazy stuff like that. There's there's two thirds of the stuff I saw I didn't understand what the joke was. Yeah. Um. There's references. There's like one that's just a whole grid of numbers in a hexagon. I have no idea what's up with that. It's fucking crazy. Game's kind of mean. Like it feels <laughs> cruel from time to time. It will, and just you the have complexity, to keep moving. That's the complexity the of it. Like yeah. if you sit there and stare at one thing for too long, you you can get angry. Yeah. Mm. And like I said, you feel like you feel like the beautiful. Yeah, back. I don't think this is for me. This is why I never played Super Meat Boy because I just didn't want to. Everyone said, "Oh, it's so difficult." I'm like, yeah, that's just not punishing. Me. Well, yeah. Super Meat Boy was an exercise in, in masochism and really good control. Well, I thought. It's, but also, Meat Boy is just a test of dexterity. Yeah, that's all that that all that that is. This is this is much more cerebral. Than yeah, that. I I I'll play it, but I don't know. If, I don't just think it's just collect be my, the cues, check it out, see stuff, wander yeah. around, and see if it see if it speaks to you. I, all right, I, I would be interested to see if somebody who's not interested in the puzzle enjoys the exploration aspect as much. Yeah. as I, the the as general I consensus seems to be that they don't. Like really? the, the people who it's are not into thin, the, the platform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I mean, it's it's fine, but it's not revolutionary in that respect. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna play some music. We're gonna answer a question and then call it a show. Emails? Well, but we do the other one. Emails. Yeah, we don't do emails. We do emails. No, 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 no. Questions. Boom. Brad just took his headphones what off. Was, what happened I there? Hate, I hate the sound of my own voice. Oh. Ah. Uh, huh. Okay. Good to know. Uh, if you have a question, the email address is podcastattested.com. Keep it under 45 seconds. Make sure you listen to it and sound it sounds good and you sound like a human being and all that stuff. And I don't remember which of these two questions was the one I was going to run, so I'm going to pick this one on the right. Hey guys, Herman here from New York City. Um, my question is about time traveling. 
Um, time travel towards the future is pretty straightforward. Uh, a cosmonaut called Sergei, I remember, can't remember his last name, um, traveled like 0.02 seconds into the future by orbiting the Earth close to 12,000 times over the course of seven or 800 days. Um, let's say we have a breakthrough in a few years and with fuel and can get up close to the speed of light. Um, it would take us around seven years to travel 500 years into the future. If this was available tomorrow, would you take this trip? Um, at what point of your life would you take it? Now, when you're 50, when you're 80 years old, and how far into the future would you go? Uh, keep in mind, when you get there, the machines may have taken over. Yeah. Okay, love the show, love That's you guys, and always be testing. There's my, no question, my, right? my answer is never. Really, you wouldn't take the gamble because there's no guarantee there'll be anything left here when you get back. When Dude, you, there's no when you, guarantee there's going to be anything left tomorrow. Well, Somebody could hit the button and the whole thing no, goes off. There's up. nothing I could do about that. I don't voluntarily put myself in the situation where everyone else may be dead. Norm? How many years? Uh, your choice. My choice. Yeah. Um, I would wait a little bit, but then I would take the jump. When you're getting closer to death. No, 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 no. Okay. No. Actually, you know what? Small increments might be okay. Yeah. Like 500 years sounds scary because that that's enough time scary. for everything to be gone. You have to reach years or something. You have to reach, you know, point of no return in terms of what you can accomplish here and then be okay with. It's a great little test of your general level of cynicism or optimism, isn't it? It's yeah. Like, I don't want to go because 500 years, everything's probably, we probably will have blown ourselves up by then. But if you're more optimistic, you may think, no, 500 years, it'll be Star Trek type. Well, I have stuff. a lot of things to live for now. So, see, I don't. Oh. So I would just go. You, you, you've <laughs> had a kid. I would, ro- I would, roll, I would roll, the, roll the dice. Right, like today? You take the ride today? Yeah. No, I can't go today. <laughs> Leah, <laughs> How about next week. Leah would not be thrilled. Um, I would wait until I'm like, say, 50. I think 50 is a good, like, because the thing is, you don't want to wait until you're so old that you've started to have mental decline and stuff like that. Because what if they don't know how to fix that, right? But you also don't, and you don't want to be the transmetropolitan uh, fr- freezer cases, right? That's the, like, that's the worst case, is that you come out of the space warp and you're completely unable to cope with the reality that you face. Because the culture is so different, you just don't yeah. recognize it anymore. Yeah, that's a tough one. I don't know. I think I would. I, I'm in. I, think I would. I no. I, I I wouldn't take the risk either. What do you got to lose? My life the way that it is, which isn't that bad. <laughs> I uh, you're on record as saying that uh, nothing good ever happens to you. Why is your why is why is my life so terrible? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I would go forward enough that uh, that I could still the people I care about are still alive then. So like, at least they get the closure. And I get the closure, I guess. Well, you could just send them a VHS tape. No, no. But That's the thing. No. I mean, in order to be able to do it, you'd have to basically have no one in your life that you care about, right? Because oh, that's true. Well, you could take them with you, I guess. No, you can't take them with you. Oh, did he, was that one of the conditions? He didn't you say just, that. Like, let's say Norm wanted to jump forward 20 years. Yeah. yeah. He would have to go to his family and say, you're not going to see me for the next 20 exactly. years. Well, but and if he I goes to s- Mars, the same, if he goes to live on Mars, the same thing's going to happen. Well, maybe so. Yeah, I, gotta, I, I would wait. Well, okay, so if there was a generation ship going to Alpha Centauri, would you get on the generation ship? Well, that's a, that's a completely different question. There isn't enough information for me to answer that question. Well, no, there is. I mean, if you, you're not if going you to live trip, to see Alpha Centauri. If you take the trip. Oh, no, well, no. Yeah. I mean, is it like a carnival cruise ship? I, I, yeah, it's, I'd be it's, all right with it's, that. It's, it's Wally. It's the hover chairs. What's, and, what kind of entertainment do they have in the, in the well, lounge? Anything you want. Holodeck. Lots of well, how fast are they going? Well, if it's like a holodeck, of course I'm getting on it. It's a 50-year trip. It doesn't matter where the holodeck is. 
Oh, well, okay. And, and it, the unfiltered holodeck, too. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. yeah. We, we would all be Reg Barkley within right. a You can kill a people, you sex with anybody, the whole nine yards. Nothing's off limits. Don't hurt yourself, Chen. Can I have the killing and the sex in the same scenario, or does it have to be separate? You can American out? it up as much as you want. <laughs> I can American it up. Yeah, you could. You could. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, you know, nothing, nothing, uh, nothing. America loves nothing more than sex and violence combined. Do they? Yeah, that's the thing. I thought you can't violence. say naughty words on TV, but you can have all the violence you want. And if you add a little sexy to it, then people get really jazzed up about that. All right. So you, you should know this. You make movies. Safe search is off, basically, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. All the, the okay. You can choose to put it on moderate if you want. Oh, God. Just, yeah, the idea of safe search being off, but... <laughs> that seems like a real bad Broadcast idea. Broadcast into just... the holodeck. Yeah, Star Trek got it wrong. Holodeck would be so messed up. You don't, you don't want to, you don't want to type the wrong thing in oh. if safe search is off. Cause that's, I mean, that is the reality. Like, even in the episode where they, where they kind of handled this, you know, where Reg Barkley was having like the holodeck addiction. Yeah. And they showed you what his holodeck addiction had, had, it was gener- real tame. had degenerated Super into. Yeah, tame. I mean, it was basically a slightly raunchy Three Musketeers. <laughs> Whereas the reality is, it would be more like a Serbian film or something. It would yeah, just be it, it fucked was, up. It was Cinemax at ten thirty, not what, what yeah. what's on the internet. And the today. problem is that the holodeck is so real. Yeah. That I don't believe you can just leave it behind when you like you'd accidentally kill someone in real life going, oh, shit. Like, yeah, I forgot we're not in the holodeck right now. Yeah. Or you wake up in the morning and roll over and be like, oh, good morning. Boom. And then, you know, all of the straight to the space prison for you. Do you think that if, if you're in the holodeck and you know none of it matters, that the, whatever primal fucked up demon that secretly lives inside yes. your brain would, would really exercise yes, itself? Unless, think- unless it was all documented for the real world. This is this is the question. There's a point of no return. Yeah, this is this is this is you said the the do you want to go 500 years in the future is the litmus test? This is the real litmus test. Yes. If you're someplace that seems real but there's no consequences, how far do you go? But I think there are consequences mentally because you would carry that yeah. experience out well, with you. Well, that's what Reg Grossman and all those all the all the video game violence people said for years. No, it's I think, a, it's the same again, argument carried forward. Yes, but there's a huge difference when the when the game becomes literally indistinguishable from reality. When you're talking about holodeck levels of verisimilitude, then that that would be a real danger. So you're now taking the argument of Jack Thompson and all those people. No, I'm not. I'm saying. I'm saying. Holodeck. No, I'm saying that. The, I'm saying that only the argument only their argument only becomes valid when the simulation is that realistic. Yeah, but to my parents, Quake looks realistic. Does it? I don't know. Maybe that was the argument they always made. I yeah I I don't buy it at that level. I don't think that you really play GTA and then want to go out and like kill prostitutes. But if there was a, if GTA you was a hundred percent indistinguishable from reality, yes, and I think you'd have you a hard time it. leaving and, that experience and the way you in played the game. It wasn't with a keyboard and mouse on a monitor, right? Like you're actually picking up a baseball bat that feels real and braining someone with it. <laughs> then yeah, it's going to be hard to say. Well, I've walked out. Computer arch, and I just leave all that behind. No, you're going to take that you shit. Take that the baseball like, bat with you. The trauma, uh, the trauma, or the erection, or whatever it is you got from braining that person is not going to is not going to just. You don't just turn that off when you turn the simulation I'm not, off. I'm not comfortable sitting next to him. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little scared. <laughs> the mental. We need to get you lunch fast, <laughs> man. Coming with you. I told you I haven't had lunch yet. All my dark thoughts what? are still the, here. The, but but oh, the, the the so the thing about this whole. When you get in the car after you play Burnout, though, don't you? I mean, I've had that thing where I shouldn't be driving 
10 minutes after playing GTA for five hours. Yes. Or burnt, and I'm or saying whatever. that's a, and that, but that's a tiny little residual carryover, which ultimately goes away quite quickly. But when the simulation is that real, I'm saying the carryover would be so, so much more So you're saying you play Untouchable, Untouchables, the hologram game, you finish the Robert De Niro baseball bat bit, and then you go out and have dinner with the kids, and one of, because one of the kids doesn't put his napkin in his lap, you work the baseball bat on the kid? I think you would have to, I think you would have to have a place. point where like you constantly would be, like you would have to wear something around your wrist or something to remind you that you're not on the holodeck. So it's the Inception thing. You have the top. Yeah, you would, you would need a totem. Because I told him, let me just spill this top and see if I can hit you with a baseball bat. Uh, I guess not. <laughs> Every argument finishes. I want spinning. that. Oh, I, okay. the, the device that I really want is the is the button you can press. You know, like the TiVo button where you get to rewind thirty seconds. Yeah, that's the button I want in real life. It was a movie that would be fantastic. Click. Yeah, it was a real. Bad <laughs> well, no, but he had much more control. But I just just one thing we can say. Thirty let me seconds. Just see what happens if I just slap you in the face right now <laughs> and see what your reaction would be. Oh, it's Galaxy Quest. Don't you have, yeah. have, you do, you have done, do you have unlimited use of this device? Or does, yes. Does it have a cooldown or what? It has a cooldown. Okay. The cooldown is eight seconds. I'll, get, I'll give you, you get one 30-second rewind every hour. No, 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 every 30 seconds, oh. so you can't keep on pressing it. That's not so useful. It says only 30 well, no, seconds. But yeah, but, yeah, but you could stack them up. So you it, would, keep it, wouldn't, back. It, it wouldn't be that great in Vegas, then, would it? Well, you could no, yeah, be fantastic in Vegas. Vegas. You could make one giant bed every hour yeah. and just make sure. Yeah. That's you all you need. Yeah, go to the roulette wheel. Yeah. Something with really terrible odds. Now, that would screw up your life psychologically way more yeah do over is it's groundhog day it's the same thing no it's if, not you, the same if thing. you can go back and do do stuff over again over and over and over again it'll eventually but you're not immortal crazy. you still have to be alive within those 30 if seconds somebody if button. somebody gave you that but if device you're dying, I think if, the rod the, the rod sterling twist of this device is that like when you the, the one time you push it too far is the time that you like drop it down a sewer right and can't, yeah that's can't that's the back. way the story would end up like the time like, you decide to shoot somebody and see what it feels like is the time that you suddenly or, or can't, every can't time you do it you're making an alternate universe every mm-hmm. every it branches every nah, time I don't care about this how about universes. this if somebody gave you that device it's just like a little handheld clicker and it will and it will rewind you 30 yeah. seconds yeah. and you can use it once every hour just for the mm-hmm. sake of argument do you get to like if you go forward do you keep like if you go in and rob a bank vault do you get to keep the money if you can get the thirty seconds back? If you no, can get no, 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 no. So, just so you. It's, it's no, just everything, everything it's rewinds except your knowledge of the well, event. Okay. Yeah. Um, but someone gave you that device and they said you can only use this for good. Would you still want yes. it? Yes. I could use. I could make a lot of good. You say. Well, you say. No, yeah, not <laughs> goods. I'm buying good. I'm buying good. We don't just mean personally good for you. <laughs> oh. But like objectively using it for like you know yeah, self, selfless reasons. Yeah. You say that now, but like after after it a couple be of really days, frustrating. Like, yeah. You'd, you'd, oh, I could use this right now, but I can't because it's not. Thirty seconds isn't very much time, and that's now. the consequence. So but it's enough it, to do a lot of bad. This seems like a screenplay. We should take this out of the podcast and not talk about this. Why? It's not that good an idea. Yeah. Okay. 30 seconds is enough for a roulette spin as well, by the way. You could totally see where the, where the, I think you can, in 30 seconds, you could see where the ball lands, hit the button immediately, and, and, you, and you would have gone back in. far yeah. enough to just get the bet in before they say no more bets. Yeah. You could do that all day. Yeah. Poker, poker final bets too. Yeah. Or once you hit age, you know, 50, all that catches up with you and you add the time that you got back. The so end. you go from like 50 to 72 overnight? Yeah. yeah. Oh. I just want to do the slap in the face thing. That's all I wanted to do. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, you'd meet people, and instead of shaking their hands, you'd hit them in the face and then hit the button. Because every now and again, I'll do this. I just slap you in the face. Sometimes if I'm – this is a good tip for anyone who has future interactions with me. If I'm in a conversation with you, and you're in the middle of like a long – Monologue. Little chat. You're going on, and I'm like just – I'm nodding, paying attention, listening to you. What's probably actually going on is me thinking, I wonder what if I just slap this person in the face really hard right now. Like, how would they react? 
Like, would I be able to apologize? Like, could I? Could I get that back? Like, or would our relationship be? We have to get some food in changed. Him. <laughs> yeah, he's gone full evil. I, th- I think that's going to do it for us today. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Brad, Gary, Norm, for coming out as always. Uh, Gary, Walking Dead's out now on PC. Uh, it'll be on an Xbox Friday, right? Yeah. So, The Walking Dead is now out on PC and Mac. You can go get it from Steam. Uh, and the X, uh, PSN version, PlayStation Three versions on PSN right now, and uh, Xbox Live uh, tomorrow. Cool. Five bucks per episode. Reviews That's, reviews are real good. Reviews yeah. have been terrific. Yeah, I hear really yeah. good things. Really pleased. Yeah, and, and I think on Steam you get the whole season, right? If you pay twenty five bucks or whatever. Yeah. So it's weird, it's, it's kind of weird the way it works. The retailers, these digital retailers, these these stores now all have different rules. So for example, on Steam, you can only buy the whole season. You have to pay twenty five bucks and you buy all five episodes ahead of time. You basically buy like a subscription season pass. Xbox Live doesn't support that. You have to buy the episodes a la carte, one at a time, five bucks. Uh, and I believe PSN is the same. Okay. Um, but yeah. And this is this is uh, uh, set in the TV show universe? Comic book universe. Comic book universe. But some of the characters... Some of the characters you'll recognize, but it's a different... It's a separate set of characters, so a separate Rick story. And, you don't, a lot of people have asked me, like, do I need to be familiar with the comics or the, or the TV show to enjoy the game? And the answer is no, because it's a completely separate story. Very cool. Um, but yeah, Leah and I played the first episode the other night and she really enjoyed it. It's the first time she's played one of those dialogue choosing games. And she, she really, she was so concerned with, it was really interesting to watch her play because she was so concerned with the consequences of each. Yeah. Well, you want a choice. Yeah. It's like, you want to go back and a lot of people are going back and I said to her, I'm going to get the Xbox. She said, Oh yeah, I want to, I want to play that again because I want to make different choices this time. Yeah. Cool. Um, Norm, Brad, anything to plug? No. Brad, you're on uh, uh, giantbomb.com, I believe. Something like that. Okay, yeah. that's good. <laughs> you guys do a podcast or something, I understand. We do, in okay. fact. Good to know. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and Norm, you'll be on Tested yeah. all week. Got my 30-inch monitor. Everything's good. Oh, is it here? Yeah. So you've replaced Monitor Quest. That didn't last very long. Nope. What kind? Which one uh, did you get? Dell 30-inch. Okay. Yeah. Do you like it? I like it. That Are might you- be. And how much was it? We can talk uh, offline about that. <laughs> Should we quick look at it? Is that an IPS? It is IPS. Wow. Yeah. I've been upgrading. I, my other monitor died, which is also a Dell 30 inch. Because I'm going to be looking for a 30 inch display when I build this new PC as well. See, I'm, I'm afraid of screens that big because then you're pushing so many pixels. You have see, to that's about the, see, that's the other thing. Again. What? I'm you a little, gotta, no. What is it? Like big 2560 video card. by something? Yeah. What's the native resolution? Yeah, what's the native resolution? 2560 by 60. Right, so, you, so to run a game in that resolution with all the bells and whistles, you're going to need some serious. The thing, the 680 would, that you were planning on buying would do. I would much fine. rather be a 1080p with a higher frame rate. You can, We've discussed you can this the other day. 1080p and I, still and scale up and it'll look just as good. That's okay. the thing is I play I play games on my 30 inch with a, uh, a 1080p okay. almost always. Because scaling used to be not the or, best Or you know thing what? Turn off AA and just yeah. play yeah. it. Because I've considered this as well as just get like a really good like 42 inch 1080p HDTV no, no, and no, just no. draw it. Pixel that. density. That's the thing. I, well, but, I, I do think you're missing. One of the great benefits of PC gaming is super high resolution. You're primarily playing games on your PC though. Yeah, I mean, I think I think for you, 1080p makes sense. I think that's a like if you're willing to spend the money and get the 30 inch panel, which is going to be like an 800 dollars price difference. Yeah, that's fine. Go for it. It's not yeah. going to hurt you. You're not going to be sad about it or anything. If you're a normal person and you and you you're on a budget, then you want to the 1080p 40 inch TV is a perfect. It's a great way to go. Way to go if you're primarily playing games. If yes. you're also going to be working on this PC, it is not a great solution yeah. because the pixel yes. density is bad yes. and the subpixel layout does not lend itself to. Font I need that real estate well. for so many tabs. Well, you but you work on your PC. Gary just plays games on. His yeah, PC. I, I I I may consider the HDTV like, option. I, 
I think because the thing is, you're still looking at a much higher resolution but than like, you get on a console. But for games like SimCity, aren't I going to want like the super high pixel density? Yeah, you want yeah. The, the awesome menus. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'd be interested to see if you can run like traditionally when SimCity games have come out, you have not been able to run them anywhere near native resolution. The you know the oh. high end resolution when SimCity Four came out. You yeah, could, how long ago was that? Like eight years ago. Right. I think some things have changed since then. <laughs> I understand that, but I'm my point is. They are going to make that game push everything. That, that I you think have. it'll be fine. You don't think so? Nobody who does fine. that anymore. Nobody. Yeah, but it's I may want to, I, I may want to come over and look at your now. your new I guess panel. That's true. Yeah, but it's a PC. It's not like it's a console game that's ported over. It's a it's yeah. a PC game. True. I don't know. We'll see. Um, so that'll do it for us this week. Uh, I think we did fake outtakes during the letter section. <laughs> uh, this week's theme is brought to you by KJN. Thanks, guys, for listening. We'll be back next Thursday. Bye. Hi there. I didn't see you. That's it. Where's my foie gras? <laughs>